Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
thank you for once again coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation. It is really good to be back. I missed you all last week. Uh, but, of course, as you know, I was out because I turned off into a leprechaun on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, but I am now back fully in human form and ready to move forward in 2021 uh, with, well, the Harris, I mean, the Biden administration with President Harris, I mean, Biden. Uh, I'm just getting confused because I guess because Biden, the occupier in the White House, uh, seems to be confused himself. Unfortunately, uh, I would like to watch his uh, press conference. <laughs> we'll see if it turns out to be that tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, I'll be working, but of course, I'm sure we will be talking about it as at least in part of our conversation in next week's show. Now, of course, uh, as we've talked about many times before here on the program, and this will be a part of our show tonight, is the Democrats proved once again they choose illegals over American citizens. Now, Republican Representative Marianne Miller-Meeks of Iowa, you know, the ones that the Democrats, the hypocritical Democrats, are trying to get rid of uh, with overturning the election. Isn't is that uh, interesting how they're trying to overturn an election when they fought so hard uh, against uh, Trump with uh, trying to overturn the one that we all know has clearly been stolen? Uh, but, of course, that's more liberal Democrat hypocrisy. But anyway, so uh, Miller Meeks of Iowa uh, led an effort to get the House to support making sure illegal immigrants tested negative for COVID before being released into these United States. Uh, The vast majority of Americans support this. Uh, But, of course, the Democrats, and and not a one, she introduced this into a bill, not a one of them to do that. Now, we have to show we're negative on beginning on a plane. And some places are even giving out free donuts if you prove that you've had your vaccination. Some donut places doing that. Or some stores are offering $100 to their employees uh, in order to get, uh, you know, if they can prove they get vaccinated, which I find interesting that they actually have to coerce, uh, bribe maybe even people uh, to to get that, uh, to get the vaccination. Uh, But here... We have to get it on a, you know, to get on a plane. They want us to show that we've either uh, tested negative or, or maybe even had the vaccination. As if, you know, maybe that could be the new identification card. Uh, so that's the thing. That, that's how voting is going to be. They're going to have it where you got to show your 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 COVID card that you either uh, tested negative or got the. Uh, the vaccine, you have to prove, you have to get to a voting booth and, and show them your, your vaccination card in order to vote, but you won't have to show any type of ID to show who you are so that you'll be able to vote. Why would that not surprise me to see that come down the pike? Um, but as you know, as I said, uh, you know, we said this for a long time, that the Democrats are not for the American people. Now, of course, the uh, Democrats in the House of Representatives they had an opportunity to show that they choose the American citizens over the illegal immigrants. They failed. You know, they, and all of them voted against 
you know, having it where they have to test uh, negative, illegals test negative before being dispersed uh, throughout the United States. So, of course, they've once again proven they do not represent us, we the people. Uh, what they have told the American people is who their true constituents, or at least that's who they hope their true constituents are, and that's illegal immigrants from other countries. And that is who the Democrat Party really represents. Now, of course, as you know, especially if you're a longtime listener, caller to the show, uh, the Bard's logic has said for a long time that the Democrats care more about those in other nations than they than the very citizens they're supposed to represent. But the Democrats know they're losing support from JFK Democrats, minorities, and the youth. They need to build a new constituency, and they are willing to bring America down to do it. Of course, unfortunately, there's other you know events going on as well that I'm sure we'll talk about uh, tonight. Uh, that some Americans are, uh, that, you know, some Democrats are allowing to happen just for the history of it. Um, so we'll we'll have that as part of the the conversation as well. Um, and then a little update as you know, before Bard's logic has received. Uh, the invitation acceptance of two primary candidates to come onto the program. Uh, we still have to be, get in contact and, and hammer down uh, the details on when they will be on the show. Uh, but we have uh, one of the Republicans that is going to be running against Anthony Gonzalez in Ohio has uh, accepted to come onto the show. Again, we got to get these things panned out uh, on when they'll be on, how long, things of that nature. And uh, another one who's going to be running against Adam Kinzinger of Illinois has accepted our invitation to come on the show. Of course, stay tuned for more details. And as always, Bard's Logic is the grassroots uh, way the people show. Uh, before I get uh, Joseph in, uh, got a lead-in audio clip. As you know, I'm a member of the uh, new inner circle, and, you know, we get some comments uh from from new and then also you know do have conference calls you know on Tuesdays uh, we had one today um, talked about a number of things but here is one of the uh, an audio from not from today's uh, conference but you know again we get some some thoughts here from from new and that's in reference uh, you know the to tonight's uh, episode and so we'll play that and then we'll get uh, Joseph in and then we will. Uh, move on with the show, but it's just a, you know, two minutes uh, clip here. And then we, you know, play this. I'll give some more comments. I'll bring in Joseph. Scott Rasmussen reported for just the news that in a poll, 90% of the American people favored requiring a, a test for COVID before any illegal immigrant was released to go into the country. Uh, in fact, that majority was even big, was bigger across the board. I think it was 90% of Democrats, 92% of Latinos. Uh, people just had an instinct that you shouldn't let people just drift into the U.S. without a test. So that's a, such a good idea that Representative Marianne Miller Meeks of Iowa uh, led the effort on Tuesday to get the House to bring up uh, that particular idea 
and turn it into an amendment to a bill. Even though 90% of the American people believe that there should be a testing for COVID before releasing people who have illegally entered the U.S., uh, not a single Democrat, not one, would vote to add this to the bill that was under consideration. Uh, it's really amazing the gap between the American people, 90% of whom want it done, and the Democratic machine, which is just running over people and basically telling their members, don't worry about the folks that go home, don't worry about what's going on, just listen to us. So 92% of Hispanics, 90% of Democrats, 85% of African Americans, 90% of all Americans, they just didn't matter because the machine decided to run over all of them. Just one more example of the American people versus uh, the Democratic machine. Well, yeah, those are some updates um, I get here from my new center circle. But, but, yeah, so it doesn't matter what the American people want because the American people aren't, you know, aren't their new constituents. That, that's not the people that they represent. Uh, they don't re- represent uh, the American people anymore, the American citizenry. They recommend – they represent illegal immigrants, not just illegal immigrants. It goes beyond that. Uh, just look how they act with the WHO and with our adversaries such as China. They, rep- they represent the interests of other nations. The Democrats don't. And as soon as you know, Democrats realize it, and unfortunately I think the more time goes on, uh, the more that the people who are, are Democrats or vote Democrat, I mean, they don't care. I mean, they really, they, they, they don't care that, you know, they, they cheat <laughs> the, 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 to win elections and, or they lie or the media or so-called media lies uh, just like they lied, you know, about uh, the phone call in Georgia that they, that they came out not that long ago uh, between, uh, you know, Trump looking for, you know, saying, look, I know there's fraud out there, uh, and they totally lied about that. They totally lied about that. Um, they totally lied about that. And so let's go ahead and get in Joseph. Uh, uh, thank you very much, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, wow. I don't even know how to answer that anymore. Uh, hopefully, I hope I'm still qualified to speak today because I don't have my COVID report card yet. I haven't gotten my vaccination, but with your permission, can you just, uh, you know, look the other way like the left and just let it go? You know what? Uh, yeah, sure. Since we're on the phone and you're not, we're not physically uh, going to be in contact with each other, I think it'll be okay. Thank you, because I'd rather not get cerebral palsy, which are one of the major leading side effects of it, you know. I'd rather not jump to conclusions, but... Uh, where do I even start? It's been two weeks. Um, it feels like it's been uh, a lifetime. A lot of things have happened uh, during these two weeks. Uh, yeah, it's true. A lot, exactly. Uh, it's. I got to be honest. You know, I'm. I'm nauseated. I feel like I want to vomit. I have so many conflicting emotions. I'm upset. What's going on on the border is a, is a travesty. I feel the angst for those people crossing over. 
because they're actually being incentivized to cross over. I don't condone their actions, but what it's creating is a humanitarian crisis. And the Chinese are looking at us and laughing and actually saying, and you have the nerve to lecture us on human rights? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is only the beginning of many more disasters and the house of cards continuing to fall due to the Harris-Biden regime, as we call it on the show. It's not an administration, and we don't call it Biden because we all know who's not in charge. It's not Biden that's leading. It's, it's Kamala. Uh, I'm appalled by the shooting that occurred uh, this week uh, in Colorado, the fact that the Dems are trying to federalize the elections. Uh, it's a mess. Our country is a mess, and it's, it's only going to get worse before it gets better in the aspect of we must hold the line. We must hold the lines. Now more than ever, we have to take back the House and the Senate in 2022. It's a matter of we take it back or our country will not last much longer. Or I don't even think it goes into 2024. I'm not trying to hyperbolize. I'm not trying to politicize. I'm not on here trying to scare people. I'm just speaking the truth as I see it. Look how the left is rampant, drunken with power, and everything is falling apart and crumbling. On top of that, we are one year, one year into the, the moment in which the world was flipped upside down when the global economy shut down because of COVID-19. One year. And regardless of having the vaccines, we're a country that's more divided than ever in our history of being a constitutional republic, and we're in a lot more trouble country than we were last March when this pandemic forced the global economy to shut down, although I don't think that America should have shut down their economy. Here's the difference. Last year when the American economy shut down, Americans had a lot to worry about, and we were in uncharted waters for the first time in civilization. Historically, no civilization has ever had to shut down their economy, not even the, the, the plague, the, uh, the European plague uh, in the Dark Ages caused that to, to occur. But we didn't have to worry about our, our foreign policy, our domestic policy, or we didn't have to worry about uh, – you know, what's going on in the border wall. We didn't have to worry about uh, all these other problems that on top of the angst of having an election that was rigged, being a step closer to becoming or entering a modern-day depression, now we have to worry about everything falling apart on top of our national and our international policies and our enemies only becoming more emboldened because they see – and they're taking advantage that we are the, a very divided country, more divided than ever, and they see that we have weak leadership at the top of the ticket. Our president and our vice president, which I just say that on paper because they are not my president. They are not my vice president. I'm sorry. I didn't vote for Kamala Harris. I did not vote for Joe Biden, and I still will not accept Anyone who has the temerity to tell me that 81 million people voted for Joe Biden. 
And if anyone ever wants to get into a debate about that or just even a conversation about that, please call in the show. I'd love to hear your justification of how somebody won 81 million votes by campaigning in his basement. That's one in a cotillion. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning or hitting the Powerball. Please explain this to me, articulate it to me, bring facts that prove this because you can't. The left to this day has not been able to defend with facts that they have won the election over Donald Trump. All they keep on saying is sounding like parrots. Well, all the courts reversed all the decisions or they all ruled that there was no uh, violation of election laws or there was no, you know… Nothing wrong with the vote. It wasn't rigged. Yeah, right. Sure. Okay. Sure. And look at the mess that we are in today. Once again, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record on this, but this has always happened. If you study global history, even dating back to the Romans, whenever power is stolen, 9 out of 10, a negative factor or negative results always equate because nine out of ten the person who steals the power steals it to do bad not to do good and we have an election that was stolen and now we are paying the consequences a year ago we had a lot to worry about we had to worry about how do we deal with our economy being shut down for the first time in over 240 years How does the global economy function being shut down for the first time due to a pandemic, not a pandemic? But now, forget it. It's like everything's hit the fan. Now, on top of worrying about all of that, we have to worry about will the children ever get back into the classrooms? Uh, Is the rioting and the anarchy in the streets going to stop because it's still still occurring? Um, How many more of the hundreds of thousands are going to cross the border? And how are we supposed to take care of Americans that are in need, those Americans who have lost their jobs and livelihoods, if we have to flip the bill on all these illegal immigrants who are crossing the border because Kamala Mm -hmm. Harris and Biden has basically waved the flag and said, come on in. You You heard about the millions of dollars, yeah, the millions of dollars to send uh, illegal immigrants to hotels. All paid by Uncle Sam and the good old taxpayers. Nauseated. It it makes me want to puke. Because what they're doing is a travesty. So they are for open borders, and they don't want to have ID laws in the proposals for federalizing the elections. But yet you need to show your ID to get into Capitol Hill. You need to show your ID to get into a movie theater. You need to show your ID to go to the DNC, but you don't need to show your ID to vote. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And at a time where we need to take care of Americans first, economy is still suffering. And all of a sudden, we, we, we have to take care of all these illegal aliens because Biden politicized this whole thing. It, it, it's just appalling, to be very honest. And, and you made a key, 
and, and you made a key point, uh, Joseph, is that, yeah, th- this is a time where you think that the American government would would be, you know, we're, we're trying to recover from a pandemic, but, there, but even for them to try to save face and say this was a real pandemic, then, you know, you'd think they would be focusing, you know, on you know, taking care of the American people. But, I mean, they're even talking about, you know, spending money to help illegal immigrants with, you know, with again, with health care, with, you know, with co- you know, you know, COVID, and then they're spending uh, money on, you know, hotels, and, and supposedly Kamala Harris is going to go to, uh, you know, these different countries in South America and Central America, you know, about, you know, about their their their, their uh, the curb immigration or, or their migration. I mean, are you serious? And then. Real quick, though, you seen the hypocrisy about her actually getting a hold of Hillary Clinton on how the Biden regime is going to uh, somehow promote, uh, you know, pr- promote the advancement of women. And Which she's going to get a bill uh, Clinton. <laughs> the worst preparation. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going exactly. to talk much about that. But. No, not at but, all. Yeah, and I'll leave you with one more ridiculous. thing. Oh, it, it, it's absurd. It's like you can't make this stuff up. You really cannot make this stuff up. And before I defer to you, uh, I'll leave you with one more thing. And this was an interesting Facebook uh, post uh, that I shared. And it says, quote, I was once willing to give my life for what I believed this country stood for. Today, I give my life to protect what my family from what this country has become. I couldn't agree more with that post. And that's what I've been emphasizing all along on this show is we can't stop fighting. We can't. We have to survive. And we must do it for the sake of our country, for the sake of our loved ones, and for the sake of future generations to come, even more now than ever, because this is the most driven, drunken party on power on steroids ever in history of our constitutional republic, and I mean with no hyperbole ever in the history, and we have to put an end to it by whatever means we have to, and including especially backing viable candidates to take back the House and to take back the Senate in 2022. And my friends, I defer back to you. You know, one of the articles I want to make sure we got to, uh, you know, tonight is uh, one here. Uh, and again, you can find uh, all the, you know, articles in that uh, that we have tonight here on the Bards Logic website uh, by going to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And uh, this one is, you know, catch and release. Republicans furious after Department of Homeland Security releases migrants into United States without court dates. It says, furious Republican lawmakers sent a scathing letter to the Department of Homeland Security this week after the agency reportedly released illegal uh, migrants, well, they call them immigrants, let's send them migrants, into the United States without court dates. Quote, uh, despite your repeated claims that the, quote, border is secure, these reports raise serious questions about the department. Of Homeland Security's commitment to faithfully enforcing the law, 
said the state the statement signed by 14 legislators. Multiple patrol agents confirmed the new process of Fox News, revealing that it has been directed to use prosecutorial, uh, I'm sorry, prosecutorial uh, discretion to forego a long hour, uh, hours long process of paperwork required to issue an NTA amid the surging migrants at the border. Custom of Borders Protection on Tuesday released photos of crowded facilities, including children, sleeping shoulder to shoulder on mats on the floor with aluminum blankets and on benches. So, and it says, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden left audience members scratching their heads in New Hampshire over the weekend. Compu- oh, that's a different article. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I had one article going into the other. Uh, but anyway, so I just find it ironic how they're talking about uh, – you know how they're how they're talking about you know the conditions when Trump had all this illegals going on, and they're talking about everybody social distancing, and then they have these you know immigrants here, you know just you know almost it looks like packed in like sardines. Robert, you just reminded me of something when you just said that. Remember when Trump was campaigning? And the left went bonkers saying, oh, these rallies are going to be a super spreader. Right. Notice how silent they are about all these illegal aliens, including children, that are in a capacity, are in a place that's supposed to have the capacity of 80 people, but are overcapacitated by 500. No one's saying anything about that being a super spreader. Wow, the hypocrisy. Well, even more hypocrisy is the schools. You know, they're talking about kids. Well, the kids have to be, well, now they're saying three feet apart. So the kids got to be three three feet apart, right? So, but you're not seeing these kids who are three feet apart at these, you know, detention facilities. They're not three feet apart. But then they're saying, well, we can't ha- really have kids go back to school too much. And if they do, they, they, can't, they have to be at least three feet apart in order to do that. But, well, what about these kids? I mean, these kids, I mean, are, are certainly not three feet apart. It's the double left's hypocrisy, uh, and it truly is, because these kids are suffering. The majority of these kids that are crossing the borders, they're being crossed by coyotes, by drug cartels, uh, in in unbearable conditions. Uh, I heard earlier today that uh, one of the whistleblowers said that you could smell feces all over the place, uh, vomit all over the place. Uh, Fights are happening amongst the um, uh, illegal aliens, the children that are below the ages of 18. I mean, it's really a humanitarian crisis. And if you ask why they're leaving, uh, they're leaving because they're actually saying it, because Biden is in office. They actually clearly yep. said that in being interviewed many times. So we're coming because Biden's going to let us come in and Trump didn't. Uh, but it's, it's giving the message that, hey, you know, you know we could all just come in and, and, and cross the border as if we were just hopping on over a, a, a fence in a yard. And it's also it's also in incentivizing these people to 
put their family at risk and their children at risk because the journey is very treacherous and dangerous in even making the trip over here because Biden and Harris is basically giving him the white flag of saying, come on in, come on in. So basically what they're doing is is crimes against humanity. I'm sorry, but that would, in my opinion, that would warrant, uh, you know, uh, not only crimes against humanity, but human right abuse to falsely mislead and incentivize people to leave their country knowing how dangerous the journey is to cross the border, any lives that are lost along the journey, that should fall on Harris. That should fall on Biden. That's under their watch. That's because of their wave the white flag, you know, just come on in policy, open border policy. That should be on them. I'm sorry. I'm calling it as it is. I'm not trying to hyperbolize. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a radical person. I'm just calling it as it is. Never in the history of our country, our constitutional republic, have we ever had an administration that blatantly called to multiple Latin American countries and Central American countries and said, come on over, even though we know that the, the, the journey is treacherous, even though we know half of you won't survive the journey, or half of you will encounter coyotes or drug cartels or even be enslaved, uh, uh, human traffic. Sex trafficking, come on over. No, you are culpable. You need to be held accountable. You're supposed to be the free, supposedly, leaders of the world, and you are basically encouraging people to risk their lives by just basically saying, come on in, and you're welcome. Come on in. After all, it's not my children that have to make the journey, but come on in. Yeah, and I'd like to know where they're getting those Biden let me in shirts. And they also have the, the Biden elect 2020 election flags. Have you seen those? Mm, I have. And to be honest, and I'm not, I'm not joking in any way, shape, or form, but I find it ironic, and I'll tell you why. They actually, the legal aliens have more enthusiasm for Biden than his supporters did when he was campaigning in the basement. I see more people with Biden paraphernalia and merchandise than any of his so-called supporters did during the whole entire election, to be honest. And that's the ironic part of it. And that's actually the really sad, ironic part of it. And you're still going to tell me that 81 million people legitimately voted for this president, supposedly, and he got more votes than anyone in American president history? Really? Yeah, I want to welcome uh, Purple Pill to the uh, the chat. It says uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, also known as two heads of the same snake. And we said that a lot of times. For the, you know, not all of them. I do think there's some that you know I would say don't fit the bill on that. But I would definitely say that there are a uh, you know there are a good number of them. Uh, certainly, uh, that do. I mean, then that's why we you know we want to get you know. You know, people, and, and we got a couple of them, you know, going to be coming on the show at some point where, you know, we, we do want to have a, some Republicans that are going to, you know, be back to the America first, uh, you know, agenda, just like what, uh, what Trump was. So, we, you exactly, know. Exactly, because but that's, you know, Biden and Harris got, is America got, last. You know, 
we've got a couple of years uh this is aka two heads of the same snake it says read it correctly it says yeah i did read that purple pill it says democans and republicans aka also known as two heads of the same snake yeah i did i i, I did read that uh in, in a lot of ways, you know, that's true. I blame the Repo- I mean, I blame the Republicans, especially Bush. I mean, Bush didn't really do anything to help, uh, you know, the, the the borders. I mean, how many times we've been here for decades? I mean, even Reagan, even I think the only president we've had probably in, you know, fifty years, if not more, that's actually done anything about the border. Yeah, you said de- uh, Democans, not Democrats. Right, you said Republicans is what you said. You said Republicans and Democans. Yeah, that, I, I read that. Um, but and, and I get what you mean by Democans. So I, I understand that. You know what? You know where that's coming from. You know, but again, you know, I would say Trump is the only in the you know fifty years. Probably the one who's done the most for you know the border, try to solve uh, the border crisis, and we've been talking. Mean, and think about it, that's one of the biggest problems I have with our our, our politicians is that I mean we find ourselves talking about the same topics, you know, literally every election cycle. I mean, it's always the same thing, you know, every election cycle. I mean, I think things are different now. There's a few different issues. Uh, now, one is you know voter integrity is definitely a new issue uh, because you know because of again I how I think that the election was stolen and a lot of others do we have to do something about that for election integrity that's something that I would say is a new uh, new development new issue of course unfortunately it's a new issue but it's not taking the place of any other issue <laughs> it's just adding on. Uh, to the issues that, you know, we've already talked about, again, you know, with immigration. They're always talking about, I mean, as far as we can remember, I bet we remember, we recall hearing the term, you know, immigration reform. I mean, again, even back in the, you know, in Reagan and probably even before that, they were talking about immigration reform. Seems to get immigration reform, that the problem is never solved. The issue is never, you know, Deplete, delete it so we, you know, okay, well, we got that issue taken care of. Now let's go ahead and be able to move, you know, move to something else. And so, you know, see, I agree. I mean, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's, it's Republicans. Just as, you know, I mean, seriously, Bush didn't do really much to increase uh, border security. And, and, and definitely, even after, you know, even after 9-11, what they did, instead of, you know, protect our borders, you know, they created the Patriot Act, which has started being that, that you know, has, has seen its day, needs to be gone, in my opinion, uh, too, because, I mean, it's being used to spy on American citizens, which has nothing to do with terrorism. Of course, now they want to mark, you know, anyone who's, you know, a Trump supporter or who, who knows. I mean, this is why I'm telling you, I, I, I don't care how the it sounds, but sometimes I want to say, you know, White people unite because I tell you what, I mean, it's getting to the point where, you know, if you're white, especially a white male, you know, then, you know, you're the most discriminated against. I mean, just look what happened uh, in the narrative about that shooter for uh, for that grocery store. 
when they were like, oh, with this, with this, you know, people were tweeting, oh, all white men must give a, give up their guns until, you know, I've seen so many tweets that all white men need to give up their guns until this is fully investigated. And I'm thinking, are you are you crazy? I mean, tell you, I, I couldn't imagine what things would look like if Caucasians were to vote as a block as other demographics do. <laughs> It'd be, it would be amazing if they did that. And, and voting for what, you know, if you, I don't care how it sounds, but it's almost to the point that, you know, if you're a Caucasian individual voting for a Democrat, you're, you're voting against your your your, uh, your own best interest. I mean, because now they're going to try to give rep- – you know reparations after, you know, is going to come down the pike, especially, you know, when Biden does step down and step down he will because, he doesn't, because Biden has to step down because he made it plainly clear problem with stepping up. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> those are, of course, you know, I'm referring to him tripping up the steps uh, three times where people are like, oh, well, you shouldn't make fun of it. You shouldn't laugh about it. I, I, I'll be honest. I laughed. So there's no shame to my game with that. I laughed at him, especially because. That was a good one, Robert. You and karma. Use that one again. I think it was, that was, think a it, was it was karma. Go ahead, Joseph. No, I said that was a great one, Robert. You got to use that one again. That's the classic. Instead, Biden tries well, yeah. to step up. That that that's a good one. But in all honesty, well, they, like, should you should you feel bad? I mean, they make fun of the right all the time. The horrible things they say about supporters of of Donald Trump and um, and even Donald Trump's family. Should I feel sorry? I mean, they make fun of us. So should I feel sorry? They demean us. Should I feel sorry? I mean, after all, President Trump, he put America first. Harris and Biden, they put America last. Well, the Democrats have been like that for for a while. I mean, I, th- I think it started getting worse, really, with with Obama. I really do, and that's why I think it. I think it might even be Obama behind the scenes. I've seen, uh, and actually, he did an interview. I don't know if it was with sixty Minutes or Gosh. I wish I would have had that had this interview, but I'm sure people could look it up. Is where basically he said, "Yeah, I got no interest in being the president, but I wouldn't mind being, you know, behind, you know, in someone's ear, like you know, even so, like an earpiece in their ear, me kind of instructing them on what to do, because I, I kind of wouldn't mind doing that." And that very well, <laughs> he might, I mean, he was actually he said that, so he, I mean, he very well may be doing that uh, with, with Biden. But uh, but one thing I want you know I want to point out with Biden though is that I, I wish they could watch tomorrow night because it's going to be interesting. But I doubt they're going to have like a lot of people talking at him at once, and we'll see how that pans out. Because I tell you, I noticed the clip you know watching Biden is when he when he gets a lot of people asking him questions at the same time, his face just seems to turn to like he's bewildered. He always looks bewildered. When uh, you know he's always he always seems bewildered to uh, you know when when he's asked a lot of questions here and you know where it's you know and, and then we'll address that purple pill with the, you know where it's, he says you know or she I don't know if it's a guy or girl but it says uh, the right and left are both wings you know and always work together I've seen a lot of ways you know a lot of ways that's true again that's why we have the same issues that we've been dealing with uh, for four, you know, for the past 40, probably 50 years. And I think there are some uh, some Republicans out there, maybe even 
sometimes, because, they're, you know, they're kind of wishy-washy like mansions. You just never know. Uh, uh, okay, she is purple pill. Okay. Cognitively dissident. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, we'll have to agree to disagree where it said Trump did not put America first. Trump, Trump put America first more than any president probably since uh, probably since Ronald Reagan. And you're welcome to, to call in and chat about that. Yeah, three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. Just take a look around. Okay. Well, you're welcome to call in, and we'll I'll be happy to have that discussion with you. Uh, you know about not putting uh, America first. Again, he's again out. He, Probably since Reagan, he's probably put America first. Other than because remember, he didn't have to. He didn't have to take be the president of the United States. He didn't have to go for it, you know. So, you know, well, you know, he's only again. If you want to, you can call in and we can we can have the discussion because you want you know want to bring up infrastructure. But that's you know whereas of course what they want to do speaking of infrastructure is of course they want to tax the they they would attack the hell out of us, okay. And that's what one of the things Buttigieg, you know, has said is, oh well, the way to get his you know infrastructure, I think they want to do like a three to five trillion dollar uh, infrastructure bill, right? They want to pass you know three to five trillion dollars, you know. And and one of the ways Buttigieg said, oh well, we you know we can raise the uh, we can raise the, the the national gas tax. You know, to you know, pay for the infrastructure bill. And here's another thing: if if, if you're paying, if people are paying attention, when they talk about infrastructure, they're not just talking about the United States infrastructure. Because if you talk about when they're talking about, um, you know, their the the new, uh, oh, we we talked about it uh, some months ago, uh, the, the the Great Reset. They're they're only talking about not just building infrastructure in the United States. They're uh, with with China seems to be doing a lot of infrastructure there, you know, building high speed rails and things of that nature. Uh, but anyway, you know, they're talking about wanting to raise the, uh, the the national gas tax, in which the Biden regime or the Biden campaign promised, well, we're not going to we're not going to raise any taxes on the middle class. Well, how can you call? How can you call the, you know, raising the gas tax not a not a raise of taxes against the middle class? I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, who do you think gonna the, the middle class? And, and frankly, what they would be considered the working poor are the ones who are going to be the most affected. You know, are the most important. You know, so how's that not, not how's that not a raise to uh, the middle class? But anyway, that, that, those are topics uh, later. The next the, the next thing uh, we're going to wrap up this immigration because we got another uh, and I want to uh, you know another topic I want to talk about is we and we touched on on this you know some time ago as well. Well, I've, I've got an you know an article I'll refer to. Uh, but anyway, to the to the immigration again, you know, to say that you know Trump when he, again, especially when he came to immigration, was probably the you know the the president who did the most to try to strengthen our, uh, try to strengthen our borders. 
He also talked about, remember, he wanted to get rid of, you know, chain migration, but which, frankly, as you know, no one really talks about that anymore. You know, and then why do you, and again, you know, so they'll get the, so why do they want to get these, these young kid immigrants in? Why, why do you think they're, they want to get all these children in, right? So, you know, so what did he, uh, again, Purple Pill, I mean, if you want to de- debate stuff, you're welcome to call in and we'll, we'll, we'll debate some with you. I disagree uh, that he did, you know, what, what should, he did do enough. Uh, he, you know, he, he did not do what he should have did against the pandemic. Well, you know, let, you, you could go ahead and call in and we could talk more about th- that, you know, perhaps. But anyway, so as to, you know, as to the immigration, you know, you know, Trump was building walls and he was having, you know, having money shifted to, you know, they'd be able to pay for it because you had the Democrats who kept on, you know, kept on, you know, holding it up, holding up. Remember the money they kept trying to hold up, uh, Joseph, you know, for him to try to build the wall so he had to go somewhere else to do it? Correct. I remember. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, and, and even Reagan. I mean, even Reagan was giving, you know, you know, gave, gave all this amnesty. I mean, I still think Reagan's probably one of the, the best presidents we've had in modern era. But when it came to immigration, Correct. you know, I, I think he was, he was tricked into that. In 1986, he basically opened the floodgates for amnesty, and uh, George W. Bush was more focused on his uh, efforts in uh, Iraq than uh, he was on all the other important uh, matters of the presidency, including uh, immigration. So you're right. From a factual perspective, uh, Donald Trump has done more than any president in United States history in uh, doing everything to uh, close the borders uh, and make the message clear that illegal immigrants are uh, – if they want to come, they have to come through the legal way. Uh, and if they want to apply for asylum, they have to apply in the country of origin or the country where they are. They cannot just have a green light to come into the United States. And uh, it's right. interesting and because uh huh no you go no, ahead Robert. yeah they're they're supposed to like the ones from Central America they're supposed to apply for asylum in Mexico not the United States correct and also Biden ended the uh, catch and release as well that he reversed that uh, that Donald Trump did which basically meant uh, you know if you caught an illegal immigrant. Uh, under the Obama administration, you're allowed to release them even into the United States once they cross the border. Uh, Donald Trump ended that. But I thought I'd also bring up another um, article I came across, and it's uh, one that came a day, uh, a day ago, and it states, former Obama White House doc, quote, Biden hiding from public is a major red flag. Something isn't right. And it's very short, but I think it's important because it all goes back to you know, is he fit to be president um, cognitively, medically? And it says, Ronnie Jackson, who was the White House physician to former presidents George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump, has joined a growing legion of Americans and medical experts who are gravely concerned about the physical and mental health of President Joe Biden. Jackson, a retired Navy rear admiral who now represents Texas as a Republican congressman, sounded the alarm on Sunday when he said Biden's lack of public appearances is a, quote, major red flag. 
signaling that something is seriously wrong with the 78-year-old career politician. Biden has yet to hold a formal news conference as president. I served as a White House physician under three presidents, Jackson tweeted. I've seen what it takes physically and mentally to do the job. I can tell you right now that the way Biden is hiding from the public is a major red flag. Something's not right. Uh, Jackson made the remarks two days after Biden tripped three times while walking up the staircase of Air Force One. Keep in mind that he was previously vice president for eight years, so he has walked up those same steps numerous times before. It's not as if he's unfamiliar with those stairs. The White House comically blamed the wind for Biden's blunder, but the sad imagery uh, stumbling helplessly as cameras rolled ignited a worldwide uh, feeding frenzy. And this was an article from the uh, the Western Journal, and it came out um, on March 22nd. Well, yeah. So, I mean, in the proof, and he's weak. It just shows, I mean, that, that's what I was, I was going to say earlier is, you know, I did laugh. I'll be honest. I, I laughed because, one, again, the hypocrisy, you know, when they made fun of, when they made fun of President Trump, you know, when he was, you know, you know gingerly, slowly, whatever, you know, walking down that ramp, you know, all the media went wild uh, talking about, you know, talk, you know, talk about all you know, something wrong with his health. And then this guy, not once, not twice, but three times, uh, three times uh, tripped, you know, you know, three times tripped up the, you know, up the, up the stairs. And again, and so it was funny to see that because I was making fun of him. But what's not funny is is the real, you know, implications and perhaps repercussions of that happening because our enemies, our adversaries see that, and they see the weak position they are, and they see that Kamala Harris really isn't deserving or prepared or qualified to be president of these United States. He's not. Now, she's probably going to be a puppet. I'm, I'm sure someone is going to be pulling her strings. It probably, you know, and it, it may very well be as Barack Obama said. It very well may be him being that, uh, you know, microphone in her ear, basically instructing her uh, what to do. You know, so that's what uh, that that's how I see it. I mean, I, I think yeah, I think they're both puppets, frankly. And I think I think we're in a very I think we're in a very dangerous. Uh, I think we're in a very dangerous position here uh, with, with Biden and Harrison there. So I think we're in a, I think we're in a very uh, dangerous position. We are indeed. Our constitutional republic has never been in more jeopardy ever. I'd say even greater than World War II, greater than the, the Civil War. I think we're at our most vulnerable, most dangerous point ever as a constitutional republic. And we have to make sure that 2024, a Republican wins. We have to make sure that the Republicans take back the House and Senate in 2022. It's no longer a matter of, you know, we have the luxury of time. It's a matter of survival. And the one thing you can't get back, the one thing money can never buy is time. It's the most precious commodity. You can't buy time. You can't make up time even if you try. And so we have to make sure that we fight. We have to make sure that we do everything because now 
the burden is on us. You see, there's only two sides to this equation. Not because I wanted to. Believe me, I would wish that our country was in complete harmony. I would yearn for that. I'm a peaceful person. I would, I would love to see the days of the 1950s, which was considered the golden decade, when I'd arguably say that was the last time you had a successful Republican administration prior to Reagan was Eisenhower and Nixon. I'd like to go back to the golden days when, when we had a very united country. But the reality is that's just not the reality. There's just two sides to it. You have those who seek to fight to ensure that America remains the land of the free and the home of the brave, and those who seek by any means. There are only two sides. I cannot see any other side to it. I'm not politicizing it. I'm not allowing my passions to guide my reasons. These are just facts. These are sad facts, but they are facts. There are two sides. You're either on the side of you're going to do everything to ensure that we remain a constitutional republic, that we remain the land of the free, the home of the brave, or you're on the other side that wants to transform us. And believe me, the transformation will ensure we will never be the land of the free and the home of the brave, and we will cease to be a constitutional republic. I choose, as always, to be on the side of freedom, to be on the side of making sure that this country, long after I'm gone, and generation to generation, that this country continues to remain the land of the free and the home of the brave, that we always continue to remain a constitutional republic, that we never become socialist country or a communist country because socialism and communism has failed in every single country it's ever been implemented it has historically failed and we cannot allow that to infect our country we can't allow it to destroy our country our beautiful constitutional republic over 240 years of history. We can't. So we must fight for those who are not in a position to fight, meaning those who are too young, innocent children, who are born into this new scary reality, and to them they think is the norm. In reality, children are being robbed of their childhood and their education and their social skills because they think this is the normal reality, wearing the masks, the fear-mongering, the three feet distancing, the six feet distancing, having to study not in a classroom but via through Skype on a computer at home with a mom or a dad. They're being robbed of a childhood. This is our future generations that we're counting on long after we're gone to continue the mantle and, 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 and pass the torch of American freedom. And they're being robbed blind of the wonderful childhoods that we had the childhood of liberty and freedom. We didn't have to wear masks. I have six feet distancing or worry about uh, that it was not safe to be in a classroom to receive a decent education. So if anything, you know, our, our children are also being robbed blind. And this well, is just, and then real this, quick, this and then we get Joe in. We got uh, Joe on the line. And what I think I, I mentioned is, you, is notice, you know, I think, and that's why I think the Democrats want to get a lot of these children in into our into our our country 
is because, one, that, of course, they could go through the American public school system. Oh, they could go through the American public school system, okay? And then uh, they could get through the – and then they could get indoctrinated. And then after that, uh, of course, then they could get in the vote for Democrats. That's why I think they're, they're letting a lot of kids in uh, so that they could do that. Uh, so let's go ahead and get in, Joe. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. I, I got a quick question for you. Did I uh, not take you out of the green room and then you called back in on Skype? Yeah, you didn't take me out of the uh, green yeah, room. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I trapped, I trapped Joe in the green room. Uh, <laughs> I apologize that for that, Joe. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so I got the two Skype callers, but you, and you're both of them. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Okay, well, Joe one I, and Joe two, but anyway, go ahead, Joe. I saw your headline. You're talking about uh, the Democrats. Yeah, the Democrats definitely are the engineers that are driving the train to America, that's uh, guiding America to its destruction. But let's not forget that the Republicans are, are, are complicit in this. If the Republicans were honest people, were actually an honest party, and not just the other side of the vulture, the other wing then uh, all of this could have been prevented decades ago. Both parties are corrupt. It doesn't matter who's got control of the House or the Senate. They're all paid off by the lobbyists, by the international bankers, and we're, we're, at the, we're not just at the slippery slope. We're sliding down the mountain, and we're increasing speed as we go along. This is a very, very dangerous era that we're in. We can talk about how we got here. That's fine. I personally would like to know how um, um, the average American can stop it. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Could you repeat that? It, it came muffled out, Joe. I apologize. No problem. What was the last question? I said I would like to know how the average American or the bunch of average Americans can stop our um, swirling around the toilet and heading right into the abyss. No, I I, I agree. That's a, that's a valid point that you make. Uh, Republicans are just as much complicit, but uh, there's an old saying, uh, I'd rather know the devil than the devil you don't know. And the Dems are the devil you don't know. At least with the Republicans, they're the devil you know. And it's, it, it's a bad deck of cards. I agree with you, Joe. Both parties... Have, uh, this two-party system, it, 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 it shows it has failed. It has failed our country, and this problem didn't begin 10, 20 years ago. It began 60, 70, 80 years ago. Robert has been uh, on this same thing as well, Robert, uh, in saying that we should have uh, more of a, a party system like they do in Ireland where they have three, four different uh, viable parties. But nonetheless, at this moment, the reality is the two-party system is not going to change within a two-year and a four-year uh, span of time. And so I'd rather go with the devil I know, and that's the lesser of the two evils. So my vote goes for the Republicans, but I completely hear you out on, uh, on that, uh, Joe. Hmm. Well, I'm yeah, well, agree. Okay. well, I was going to answer to that. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, well, yeah, I mean, and I've touted uh, for years – uh, you know, multi-party system. But one thing I've learned over the years uh, from, you know, is that it's going to have to start from the, the, the ground up. It's got, it can't be where 
you have somebody from the, a third party president or people, um, maybe even in the House and Senate, uh, to be multiple multi party. Uh, it's got to come from the it's got to come from the ground up. It's got to come from where, you know, your city councils and your maybe your, you know, your city councils, your you know county commissions, you know, maybe even get you know, and we've we've had had a few independent governors and independent party governors. None of them seem to be that great. <laughs> if you think back to it, I can think of a couple of them uh, who were who were ran as independent from Hollywood. And uh, they became governor, and they weren't that great at governors. Uh, but anyway, um, so I think that's what now is what we could do for the slippery slope that you're talking about is my thing is, is I think that I think I'm almost reluctant to say it, but buy as many weapons as you can, buy as much, as much ammunition as you can. Uh, and just try to be prepared for if the shit does hit the fan, um, because I, I I I don't want it to happen. But I think that there's uh, it, it could possibly. But I'm, I'm leaning more towards no, that's not happening. Because here's what I here's what I think. I think we're going down a slippery slope, but I think we're, we're going to have to hit where we slide into a plateau, where below that plateau you you could fall even deeper. But I think if we go down too far, you know, if we go down too far, down the slippery slope, okay, and Ireland has about five parties, you know, five pretty successful parties there uh, in Ireland, and they have representative voting where you vote your preference. Okay, this is my first preference, my second, my third, my fourth. They have, pre- they have preferential voting as well. Uh, so I, I don't I can't think of a system any more democratic than than the Irish system, but anyway, is but we have well, we're stuck, we're stuck with finish. two parties. Yeah, you know, we're we're, huh. we're stuck with the two parties. Yeah, you know, we're we're stuck with the two party system. But anyway, is I think and I said this before on the show, is that I, I think they want it to go down so far where we really can't. We're not going to have many luxuries in life. Uh, but we are going to have just enough to sustain us and or have to rely on the government to be sustained. Because whether they like to admit it or not, the the government – now, I'm not saying Republicans and I'm not saying Democrats. The government needs the middle class, if not a lower middle class at least. Uh, because who is it the people who really are the ones who pay for everything? We're the ones – I mean, I don't know who, if they're middle class here or not, but – I would say I'm as middle class as middle class gets, um, and they need a vast, uh, you know, at least middle middle, if not lower middle class, because we're we're really the ones who pay all their crap, you know. So, yeah, right. you know, if they want here's to, my, uh, yeah, here's my rebuttal to uh, what you're saying. Um, it doesn't matter how many parties any government has; it's useless. I have an acquaintance who is from Ireland and came over here 30 years ago. And when he came over here, Ireland at that time in the 80s was already a socialist country. People don't realize that. Well, yeah, they are socialists. That is true. Ireland is socialist. That is correct. Right. So that, the, the idea of having two parties, three parties, as far as I'm concerned, is thrown out the window. Because corruption is corruption. When you're talking about the middle class and how the government needs the middle class, I'm going to throw that argument out the window. Uh, just like I'm throwing out Joseph's argument about the, the, the vote for the devil that you know. 
because take a look at Venezuela, Cuba, China, Russia, etc. Russia's a little bit different now. Uh, why? Maybe because the people eventually uh, um, fought back. But anytime you have a socialist country, they don't care about the middle class. They care about the people at the top and the military to make sure that the people in the bottom um, don't rise up. They didn't want to kill off everybody because it would uh, it would make them internationally a huge big stain on the international stage. But middle classes, uh, and when you say at the bottom of a plateau, in today's particular time with the technology that we have, and with the people who are in control of what's going on, there is no plateau that's going to be satisfactory. It isn't as though, well, people are going to be on the dole, yeah, the middle class will be gone, and yeah, we'll live in some sort of poverty, but, you know, we'll still have a TV and still have a grid. No, all of that shit will be gone. It'll be Cuba. It'll be Venezuela. In fact, it'll be worse. Because I happen to believe that this is the age where the people who have been in charge of the world for centuries are going to make their move towards transhumanism, the singularity, and the depopulation of the planet. The vaccines, where if you listen to the people who have taken them, there have been enough people, in my opinion, who have, re- who have responded by saying that they themselves and their family members, um, in large enough numbers, have gotten so sick or have died that, uh, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, the vaccine is the bubonic plague. It's the bioweapon. So I'll stop there and let you guys respond. Well, Joe, ahead, you Jeff. bring up a lot of valid you bring up a lot of valid points and by the way, welcome back to the show. Very much well missed. I wish you would come more often. <laughs> oh, Sincerely. I uh you you bring more uh more tenacity to the show and that goes for anyone else who calls. It's 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 really awesome. It makes the dialogue uh advances the dialogue. That's what the show's all about. Um no, I, I, I hear you on, on your view of the Republican Party, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I disagree with that argument. However, I'm not here to sway any person. I, I believe if you truly believe in your convictions or you believe a certain way, you know, I'm not here to convince you otherwise. I'm, I'm, I'm more like here to speak to uh, yeah, you know, people out there who, who are hopeless or who think along the same lines I do. I'm not here to try to convince you otherwise that, that wouldn't be right for me to infringe my beliefs upon you, and I, and I respect that. And you always come on this show with civility and respect, and, and I like that. And we lack a lot of that in today's uh, um, world, in political world. But I'll tell you why I disagree with that. It's mm. because, you see, that's exactly what the left wants everyone to think, and that's psychological warfare. And the more people speak like that, they've already won their war of propaganda. They've won that's exactly what they want you to think, is that there is no way out. There's no way to fix this. There's no way to take back our country. There's no way to save it. Uh, they've won. End of story. But by my own volition, they have not won. Because if that was the case, I agree. Half of the Republicans, they're all traitors. They're, half of the Republicans, they are rank-and-file establishment. They're just as much a scum as, as the left. However, 
you still have a few good men. Donald Trump ran on the Republican line. Now imagine if we all just said, no, 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 he's running as a Republican. We're not even going to give him the time of day. And that's the problem. You see, if, if, if people would have done that, we would have never known what wonders you can achieve when a man who's solely dedicated to the people in America first can truly achieve if he's elected and he keeps his campaign promises. So you've got to take that leap of faith because you don't have any other choice. You have the choice of either sitting on the sidelines, resting on your laurels, and let the enemy win, but at the peril of your loved ones and of your fellow American patriots. And so there are a lot of like-minded patriots like Donald Trump who are more conservative populists but realize that they're not going to run on the Democratic ticket. They're going to run on the Republican ticket, and we have to encourage it because those are the two parties we have. That's what we have. It's, those are the DECA cards. We cannot just sit back and say, well, because there are corrupt elements in both parties, therefore it's not going to make a difference. I mean, if we thought that, I mean, look at 1939 when Germany invaded Poland. Look at 1940 when Germany invaded uh, Paris, Belgium. Uh, they conquered almost all of Europe. At that, at that point, uh, point in time, uh, America had not entered the war. Uh, it was just England and France that declared war on Germany. They were unstoppable. Now, imagine if, if, if the Allies would have just sat on their laurels and said, ah, there's just, what's the point in fighting? Or Winston Churchill would have said, ah, oh, okay, I will agree to Hitler's uh, terms of surrender. Because there's no point. In over a year, they pretty much have conquered every major country in Europe. They're unstoppable. And that's why I go back to saying we're at this point again, but even at a more dangerous point than ever. And we cannot just sit on our laurels. And if we do, there are consequences for that. And if people want to fight back or don't want to fight back, you know, that has to be on them. I cannot compel someone to do that. They have to do it on their free will, and, and it has to align with their conscience. Do they believe it's right? All I can say is I speak for myself and other like-minded individuals who feel the same way I do. For as long as I have air in my lungs, I will fight to preserve my country's freedom. And no one in hell is going to convince me that it's over, game over, that there's no point in fighting because the, they're both corrupt elements in both parties. And the end of the world is coming tomorrow. No one is going to convince me of that. And I'm going to keep on fighting. But, Joe, I respect the hell out of you. Uh, I'm grateful you, you're back on the show. And I will defer it back to you and Robert. We'll uh, get some other callers. Let's push the one on your number dial. We'll get you into the show. Oh, go ahead, Joe, if you wanted to uh, respond yeah. to that. Oh, well, thanks, Joseph. No, I'm not saying we should give up. I'm saying we should become more aware, not put our faith in the two-party system, the Republicans or the Democrats, because both of them are going to lead us down to um, perdition. Um, I'm no longer a Trump supporter, by the way. When he came out and voluntarily uh, supported the vaccine, um, at the beginning when he initiated the warp speed, I thought it was a good idea. Um, but then when he, when the reports are coming in in 50 50 MDs on one Zoom uh, project um, 
came out against it. When people who have had the vaccine and the people whose um, relatives have had the vaccine and one health worker working at one particular um, institution has seen 21 people die from the, from the vaccine, um, it's, it's a bioweapon. Now, but what we should do, I had asked the question, what should we do? Here is what I think could be done. First off, I believe the, uh, the fraud was election fraud. I mean, the election was definitely election fraud. And I think it took so much power and coordination that it's already spread throughout the, throughout the nation. So, and I think that the, uh, the pundits on, on radio now, the Limbaugh's who, you know, who died, the Hannity's, the Levin's, et cetera, they're Uncle Tom's. Because they've written books about this. They saw it coming. They said it's going to be a police state. They said that if uh, the Democrats get elected, that socialism is, is not far behind, will be full bore uh, on their part. Yet they have no solutions. If you listen to the shows and you listen to people calling in and asking, what can I do? At the very beginning, all of them said, I don't know. Then they said, engage in politics. The politics, the election, was stolen from us. And it's not going to be just in those swing states. I believe, for example, Philadelphia has a reputation of always having been um, a state, I mean a city in which politics, corrupt politics was the mainstay. Um, uh, Tammany Hall, people remember from, I think, the 1930s and 40s. I think that guy made a million, over a million bucks <laughs> being just a local uh, corrupt uh, politician. Also, let's say you get elected and to become a councilman or some local political office. It's going to take you too long as an individual to work your way up to try to bring the Constitution uh, back to where it's supposedly supposed to be. My particular goal, and what I think could work, would be if the cops themselves, who are, in my opinion, are stupid people to begin with, but if they actually could get together in in the 48 contiguous states and then the other two states, Alaska and Hawaii, and said no more, we are not going to let Black Lives Matter and Antifa burn down the precincts, burn down the neighborhoods, um, injure over 100 cops. I think two cops died as a result of the summer, summers, uh, the summer's summer of love. If the cops could do it, and they said, we are going to uphold the Constitution, the right to protect the people who pay our salaries, then the power of the corrupt politicians the mayors, the governors, the state legislatures who turn their backs on Giuliani, turn their backs on the hundred affidavits which showed uh, election fraud, turn their backs on the um, demonstration, live demonstration during the Georgia runoff where the guy showed how he hacked into the Dominion machine online Mm -hmm. real time and they still did nothing. If the cops said no more, then the governors and the mayors, what are they going to do? Call a cop? 
The power has to be nullified. We can't do it for elections. Well, and we and we mentioned. I mean, we mentioned that here a little bit, you know, on the program. And actually, what that's one of the reasons why, if you recall, I mean, you, you may or may not have been uh, to this episode. I wasn't. Uh, either no, I wasn't live, you may not listen to the uh, the podcast, but I mean, I, that's one of the reasons why uh, earlier this year, uh, earlier this year, I reached out. We've had this guy on the show before, and that's Stuart Rose. Oh, and from probably, yeah, yeah. What you, you, you probably know, yeah, you probably know that Stuart Rhodes is the founder of Oath Keepers, and you know, we had him on the program, and I was reaching back out to him earlier this year, yeah, shortly before uh, Jan, you know, the the whole January sixth thing, right? Yeah. So, because I wanted to have a bond, so yeah, I mean, to to, to tell to talk to him exactly. Just what you were saying, and, well, and, I, and I, I said, I said this, I said that at the beginning of the year. I said we're going to need our, we're going to need our police officers, yeah. and we're going to need to talk to our police officers. We're, we're going to need to speak with our military, because it may very well come down to them to be the ones who are going to actually re- protect the republic. And if you notice, you know, when you're, re- you're reading articles and things of that nature, and, and he's hard to get a hold of. Um, I think I think because right now, I mean, there is a huge target on the Oath Keepers right now, and frankly, I, I think there's a reason for that. Because are, are you familiar with who the Oath Keepers are, uh, uh, Joe? You mean Joseph? No, you, Joe. No, I said Stuart Rose is of is of the Oath Keepers. Yeah, I know him. Right, but I, I mean, I know of him. Promote the organization, yeah. And everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're the ones who have got together, uh, former police officers or former sheriffs, et cetera, who are there to uphold the Constitution. He was on another show and said that was his aim to try to correct what's going on in America today. It was only about a month or so ago. Also, what's encouraging is that in New York City. Um, there's a, the Detectives Association um, is banding together to fight against that no-bail policy they have there. So that's a hopeful sign, but it has to be done now. And my idea of that, of the police banding together to form a powerful coalition, um, I thought of that before I knew the Oath Keepers, I mean, before I heard Stuart Rhodes was speaking about it and before this Detectives Association spoke up. So that, to me, is the only the only solution. And the military will fall right in. I mean, if the, the cops get, get um, some kind of resistance as a result of their resisting the, the mayors and the governors, I think then the American people will be very glad to come out in droves and, and support them. And I don't think the military will fire upon the cops as they would feel free to fire upon the American citizen. But I only see the cops right now as being the only solution. Uh, thank you, Robert yep. and Joe. Uh, prior to today, I never heard of the Oath Keepers, so it just goes to show you that um, there's a lot of people out there who don't know, so thank you for... Um, actually bringing them up, truth be told, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I was not aware of the organization or what it promotes. Oh, yeah. Oath Keepers is yeah. important. 
like uh, Bob, Bob had a show about it, as he said, the Oath Keepers is an organization of former, maybe even some present cops, sheriffs, poli- uh, state police, etc., who are who specifically are there to uphold the Constitution and to be there for the people. So that, to me, that's our solution, not the elections, because it doesn't matter who you vote for; it's it's corrupt. Okay, um, but the cops. They can nullify the power. If the mayor says, look, um, these restaurants, they've closed down. They're supposed to stay closed down because of the, uh, the mandate and the COVID and the shutdown. Make sure they stay uh, shut down and the cops go, A-F-U. Uh-uh, no way. The, the shutdown should be lifted. Our economy needs to go back to the way it was. We're not following your orders. We could have a bloodless civil war. We could win. I'm done. Now that does seem intriguing, but question, and I'll pose this to both Robert and I'll pose this to you, Joe. Being what cops have had to go through over the past five, six, seven years, even during the last years of the Obama administration where they've just been disrespected, thrown under the bus of so many of our politicians, Um, discouraged from doing their job, uh, falsely accused of crimes they didn't commit uh, just to uphold the law, Um, I just, I I, I could see that the Oath Keepers could enhance their success and recruit more people. I just don't see where, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm kind of new to this with the Oath Keepers, I just, at this current point in time, police officers are afraid to do their job, they're overworked, they're underpaid, they're tired of being spit on, abused, thrown under the bus by our politicians. Um, what are your thoughts, Robert? And then what are your thoughts, Joe, of having a large enough force come together when more now than ever police officers, most of them are saying, the heck with this. This is not worth it. It's not, um, they're not even policing areas that are, that are uh, high crime areas because they're afraid of uh, the next um, uh George Floyd, you know, they're afraid if they do their job, you know, they're going to be pinned as, you know, they used excessive force, and next thing you know it, you know, they're being charged for manslaughter or first or second degree murder on top of being defunded in in liberal cities like New York. And, you know, even before they were defunded, they they barely don't make a lot of money. They don't have a large uh, starting salary. So with all of that, I'll I'll first ask you, Robert, what do you think, And, and then you, Joe. And then we'll bring in, and then we'll bring, uh, you know, bring in Kelly because we got Kelly on the line. Is that no? I mean, I wholeheartedly agree, and, that, and that's what I think. I, I hate to say it, but I, I think that's what it's going to have to come to. I mean, we have also had a number of sheriffs, you know, on the program as well. So there's the sheriffs, and they're considered police officers, but yeah, they're you know kind of a they're higher up, but uh, yeah. But yeah, we. I think you know, we're, it's going. It's definitely going to take them because, especially, it's going to take them when they're, when they're trying to disarm us. And that's kind of a big concern: is if we're disarmed, and somehow. But see, that's why I think that the Democrats and the liberals and, and the so-called media, which is, of course, as you know, their propaganda machine, uh, the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, or I'd even say even the state media. Is that that's why they're, I mean, they're trying to, you know, 
say that, oh, in the National Guard, you know, there maybe even the military, there's a lot of white supremacists in there because they're trying to denigrate our military. They're trying to denigrate our National Guard. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me uh, to see that later on you have the, the politicians of the Democrats uh, you know, stating that they want their own police force. I mean, other than the D.C. police. And I'm that saying, is like, where it's going to. Hmm? That's where it's going to. They're going to be their own police force, and they're going to replace the the police who who get fired or who who leave with the criminals that they've left uh, that they've let out of jail. I'll I'll speak more to that when you finish, Bob. Yeah, and then, but yeah, that's what I think they're trying. Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to do because they know that our police and our military, you know, National Guard, especially if they are be, if they become successful in and disarming us, and I don't, and I don't think they want to disarm us to like to take away our handguns. But that's why they're so oh, uh, yes, they adamant oh, about. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think they're more adamant about taking away like AR-10, AR-15, things of that nature, or what they consider semi and or automatic yeah, but they're weapons. Not going to stop there. Because really, if you if you have a military coming after the the populace or the citizen, citizenry, I mean, they're not going to be able to defend themselves with just a handgun. Yeah. Um... The police force right now, in my opinion, is the only is the only way. Um, the, yeah, they're going to come after everything, AR-15, shotguns, because they don't want us to defend ourselves. And even if we had, uh, supposedly there's, um, what, 305 million people in America, something like 320 million handguns, supposedly more, more guns than people. doesn't matter. Because I've heard of people who say, well, I'm going to go out there in the street. I'm going to fight shoulder to shoulder with my compatriots if the military comes after us and we'll defeat them. Uh, no, you won't. You don't have helicopters. You don't have drones. You don't have tanks. You don't have bazookas. You don't have laser particle beams. You don't have endless rounds of ammunition. You're going to be stuffed out in about a week. Um, and people might want to glorify it and say, well, you know what? Poland held out. Hungary held out. Yeah, well, cool, fine. You go ahead and try it. The thing is we have to organize the cops, and they have to organize themselves now so that the politicians will say, we don't have them on our side. And the military, again, will be less likely to mow down cops who have a a certain percentage of whom have come from the military than they would for uh, for the citizens despite the false flags that will happen in the future. Um, without the cops on our side, we have no chance. Okay? This is the quickening. People have to take a look around and see what Biden is doing, or Obama, who's supposed to be his puppet, his puppet master, or whomever is, is um, signing the executive orders and telling them what to do, or what the Democrats are doing with the permission of the Republicans. This is no longer the America where you can go to the voting uh, poll, put in your vote, and feel that some result may be, might, could be, perhaps, will result in some sort of um, policy that will do good for us. Take a look around you. Taxes are going up. State uh, gasoline prices are going up. The uh, union workers on the Keystone Pipeline have been fired. They're talking about um, instituting $5 trillion bills now. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is 
the beginning of the real end. Not a movie. Reality. And people and the cops, as far as I'm concerned, is they're our only solution at this particular time. Otherwise, it will be civil war, and regardless of whether you want to or not, you will have to have guns. And they've, they've already started coming for the guns. The Democrats instituted a bill in one particular state. They want to take away your guns. They're not going to be satisfied with just the AR-15s. It's always incrementally done against the people. We have to wake up. I'm done. Let's go ahead and uh, bring in Kelly. Kelly, thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, pretty good. I enjoyed a wonderful spring day today out in the field. And, uh, yeah, um, hey, there's a little bit of confusion here. We've got Joe and Joseph, and I'm always glad to hear from them. So to uh, rid this confusion, uh, Robert, you should change your name to Joel. <laughs> and then uh, Suzette should name change her name to Josephine. Oh, so. boy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I try to make people laugh. That's the greatest hey, idea. Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> oh, anyway. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> let's see here. Oh, by the way, you know what's going to happen when these uh, self-driving trucks come about? Yeah, they're going to drive right into the ocean. <laughs> well, they're going to drive off, you know, and then the old cowboy is going to write a... Uh, country song about how his truck left him. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> well, Kelly's here. Uh, Kelly's here. All right. all right, all right. So, um, let's see, Melissa Oath Keepers. The Oath Keepers uh, showed up in Ferguson. They've shown up at a, a few hostile places. They went up to uh, uh, the Bundy Ranch. Up in, there's a Bundy up in Oregon, and there's one. Yeah. Remember Nevada, that whole mess? The Oath Keepers were there. Um, I had a buddy that went there. Things got very, very tense, and there were guns pointed at each other both sides. Um, the Oath Keepers have done situations where um, law enforcement has stood down, and they have had an impact. They've been on the border doing border patrol. Um, so when you're having citizens doing the job of government, we've we got problems here. And, of course, I like Joe's idea that, hey, look, why are we going to war when they got tanks and helicopters and satellites and da-da-da? Well, the other bigger problem is they really don't have authority. Um, the militia, is it public or private? It's actually public, What's now the National Guard. But in its day, there was state regulations, and the militia drew, derived its power from the authority of the state. And there was elections and, 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 and such, and there was a chain of command and accountability all the way up to the governor. And so, you know, with state regulations, the legislature, of course, would change the regulations and, and, and adapt and what have you. Um, and that's why it states in the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state uh, and the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And so the left thinks, oh, grab guns, everybody will live really. Come on, people, just stop this grab gun grabbing thing. I mean, come on. Stalin didn't take the guns until he could, and then he did. Hitler didn't take the guns until he could, and then he did. 
Mao didn't take the guns until he could, then he did. Pol Pot didn't take the guns until he could, then he did. Castro didn't take the guns until he could, and then he did. The end result, over 60 million people murdered at the hands of their own government because they couldn't defend themselves. So, you know, there's got to be a solution. Sheriff Arpaio, uh, when he was a sheriff of Maricopa County, he had over 30,000 in his posse. Another sheriff told me that. And so that's one solution to solve a lot of these problems. Um, and I'll bring back the well-regulated militia, not the National Guard, but that, that's a whole other, that, that would take an act of Congress or God moving a mountain kind of a thing. So what, what are our solutions? Um, I'm, I'm not in the big city. I'm in a small town. And uh, it's wonderful to, you know, I saw in church tonight one of our police officers. I used to call him Agent Smith. He gave me a ticket and I beat him in court. <laughs> they called him Agent Smith. That's his real name, Smith. And he's uh, from the Matrix, you know. Agent yeah, Smith. I was about to say, he's from the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, Agent Smith. I, go, I beat Agent Smith. The judge threw the case out because he didn't have his probable cause. <laughs> hmm. I see him in church. I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing, you know? And, uh, you know, I got to know each other a little better. He's a really neat guy. He shoveled snow one day for an elderly lady while she's waiting for his next call. And this is great about a small town. Uh, it's just wonderful. Yeah, I, I knew the sheriff, I knew the DA. Um, they knew me, um, some investigators in the DA's office, number of sheriff's deputies, and police. They knew the chief of police. That's, you know, I know it's, I'm starting to sound like Mayberry. It's not Mayberry here. But. The small towns are a wonderful place to live. You get to know the officers. Um, Chief of Police Brian Bowles said this thing is called Shop with a Cop. Around Christmas time, the cops, you know, the sheriff's department and uh, the sheriff's department and the uh, YPD, they would um, have this big meeting right in front of Walmart, and you go shop with the cop. The kids, kids would, and they got to know the local police. And there's been extensive studies about this, is when the police are local folk, they're really supported. They're really supported. Um, And and it's a nice win-win. I I did a video with, you know, Officer Smith, Agent Smith was on duty, (laughs) Officer Smith. And uh, I just was walking somewhere to the store or whatever, and I... On the way back, there they are, pulling somebody over. I did a quick, I don't know, 45-second video complimenting them because they they keep our lives at peace. They they keep civil order and peace. And that and it's for a small town. Like in a few days, it was like 1,500 views. It was really amazing. And we got justice for George Floyd. Uh, some people put up a rally here in the park. The local police and sheriff had more calls from rednecks wanting to join or help the police and law enforcement, um, the local police here had more problems or potential problems um, with the locals telling them to stand down, we got this. I mean, that's the kind of support that every law enforcement should have. And uh, it comes about in small towns because, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like everybody knows it. And so I would wish for people to have that, but that that local hiring 
has studied on this. It, it's been a huge factor on this. And, you know, if the left wants to make these stupid political statements, oh, let's defund the police, oh, catch and release, oh, no bail, let's just run out on the street. It, it, I don't know how they can keep getting back in office. It's, it's just foolishness. Um, actually, where I live here in Northern California, we're half an hour from the border of Oregon, real estate agents are seeing a huge influx of people coming from Sacramento, L.A., San Francisco. They, they're just, we're out of here. And so the real estate market's kind of gone crazy, and the realtors are just overloaded. Um, and it's mind-blowing because, you know, maybe it's because they watched Mayberry growing up, you know, or the Andy Griffith show. So we've got a lot of things figured out here. What can the inner city people, the big city people learn? Oh, that's right. We're stupid country bumpkins up here. They don't want to listen to us. No, it works. Yeah, we got our bad guys. Yeah, another homeless person got murdered. And the cops rounded up uh, one. They're looking for the second person. You know, these guys are tough as nails up here. We're not stupid country bumpkins, but you know what? It's working. I mean, I wish the legislators would listen to some of the small town police force and what's working. I wish the big city cops and the mayors and city councils would listen. What's, what's going on with small town? What are you doing right? Um, so that's just kind of some of my thoughts. I, why, why can't we, uh, I don't know, why, why can't we listen to people? Well, why don't we get Josephine's comment on that? Is Josephine on the line? <laughs> uh, I think we lost Josephine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Robert, we lost Josephine. Joe, Telly. Oh, okay. You've got to well, get I, a better cell phone I, I provider. Per- I don't. I don't I, I don't do this very often, but I I kicked purple pill out of the uh, out of the chat, so I didn't and I didn't really address a lot of what purple pill was putting in. So I, I got to the point where I got tired of him or her, and I just I booted him out of the chat. Which, as you guys know, I normally don't I like to you know I know offer to look if you got any problems, you're welcome to call in, but all uh, they wanted to do was you know think that they were intellectually superior to everyone on this call, uh, but yet they wouldn't want to prove themselves by calling in. Uh, so I said, you know, I'm just, I just booted them off. <laughs> I was thinking, you know what? This is my show. Bye, click. <laughs> I, want to address, off I, just got I want to address Joseph's point because I don't think anybody has, actually. And Joseph brought up a good point where he was talking about why should the police band together when over the past few years they've been disrespected, spit on, etc. And my reply, Joseph, is that that would be the reason why they would. Because they have been spit upon, they have been hurt, and it's been exacerbated by the mayors and the governors with their stand-down orders. So that's when, when I say publicly that the cops are scum, spineless, weak, I want to let them know they're no longer the heroes that they thought they were. In New York, they, for their efforts for standing down and letting Black Lives Matter rule, they were um, investigated, and the, the result of the investigation found that the, the NYPD had hurt the feelings of the protesters, not the rioters, the protesters. And um, another report came out official report, which reprimanded them. 
So that's when I tell the cops, you lick the boots of your masters, and this is what your masters have done. They've kicked you right in the head. Are you going to continue to take that? You are paid to protect us, and not only to protect us, why would you allow your precincts, your home, um, away from home, to be burned down? You're going to continue to do that? Because if you do, they're only going to do it more and more and more and more often and more dangerous. So now is the time to stand up and be the heroes that you were meant to be. So I hope that answered your question, Joseph. Uh, it, it did. Thank you very much, Joe. I, I appreciate it. It it actually reassures me. Good. Um, well, gives me better assurance than I had before. Because you're absolutely right. If if not now, then when? There is no other time to step up. Yeah. I have no faith in the elections at all. Local level, middle level, municipal level, Martian level, federal level. They've already shown us they can take it away from us. And that confirmed to me my suspicion, because I didn't have the suspicion that strongly back in 2008, how this guy who's black with a Muslim name can get elected president when nobody knew who the hell he was. Well, I got a couple things to say on that is, I mean, personally, I think with, you know, with Obama, one is it was the perfect, I mean, remember, it wasn't just Obama. I mean, Republicans suffered a, a, a pretty big loss, uh, you know, in 2000 and, you know, 2008. They, they suffered a pretty big loss. It wasn't just their presidency. Uh, and I think uh, it, was, it was Bush fatigue. It was war fatigue. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Obama got elected, the whole hope and change thing. I think people are just tired of, you know, Bush. They're tired of the you know, of the war. And then you had John McCain. And if you look back, when Republicans, you know, when, when they nominate moderates, they lose. They, they just did. Look at McCain. He was a moderate. He lost. Look at Romney. He's a moderate. He lost. Now, Now, we found out later on that, you know, Bush, who ran as a – remember, Bush ran as a compassionate conservative. So he still, you know, ran as a conservative. He didn't try to run as a moderate, and he won. And the reason why he won, frankly, the second time is, you know, we were in this, in this long war, and people aren't going to change presidents while we're in war. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe if Trump started a war, maybe he would have got reelected. Um but not that I'm saying he should have started a war, don't get me wrong. But maybe he would have got reelected. But Romney, both Romney and McCain were awful candidates. They just were. There was no reason. You know, so it was a perfect storm, actually. When Obama got elected, it was a perfect storm against Republicans. Uh, and that's why I think he lost. Or, I mean, sorry, that Obama won. I just think it was a perfect storm against Republicans. And I think he got reelected because Romney. And think about it. Romney was was basically Obama light. So it's like, okay, why change hands uh, and vote for Romney when he's pretty much, uh, yeah, he, he's pretty much, you know, Obama. <laughs> so, 
you know, you, you weren't really voting for much different, you know. So, again, and I think they had a lot of fear in people also to think that, oh, my gosh, if you voted against Obama, you must be some kind of a racist. Um, I mean, you couldn't – remember, you couldn't say anything against Obama without, it, you, you know, the, the, the racist moniker uh, being put on you. Right. And a lot of what you say so, – I mean, yeah. I think that was a big part of it. It was part of it, but I don't, I'm still thinking about a black guy, nobody knows who, spent less than half his time in the Senate, had advertised prior to the, uh, while he was a senator, that he was going to close down uh, coal mines and um, tear down the fossil, uh, fossil fuel industry. Um, he came out of nowhere to be a keynote speaker at, I think, the Democratic uh, National Party um, Convention where before there was um, uh, Jackson, I forget, I forget Jackson's first name now. Um, but you have to also take a look at the guy. Who was he? Did he have any bona fides? What was his background? A community organizer? What did he do? Oh, okay, he supposedly taught at Harvard. Once he got elected, the transcripts were sealed. Nobody knows anything about this guy. And, I'm and that's still that, again, that's probably why he did get elected. If people knew more about him, he probably he probably wouldn't. If that's why, I mean, the media has protected Democrats for for a very long time. There you they were go. Protecting him then, he was never right. fully vetted. And if the American people knew more about him, he probably wouldn't have. It's just again, I think there was you know Bush fatigue. They're tired of the you know the war going going on. And again, it's um, you know I. Romney and Obama were pretty much uh, the same. I mean, I, I'd like to refer to this clip and, uh, and, and put a little brevity uh, in our discussion. I mean, when I talk, think about and, and talk about Romney and Obama in the same vein, I, I always have to play this. Mr. President, just how different are you from Governor Romney? <laughs> Uh, now, let me be clear. Uh, I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. For instance, abortion. He was pro-choice most of his adult life. So was I. But he changed his position uh, when he became presidential candidate. Uh, hold on. Now, let's take guns. <laughs> now, Governor Romney and I, uh, we were in complete agreement on gun control. Uh, now, that is, until he changed his mind. But, but I... And on health care, well... Uh, I was so inspired by Romney Care uh, that I nationalized it and called it Obamacare. Whoa, whoa. But now presidential candidate Romney is against the individual mandate and universal health care. Uh, I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. But this presidential candidate Romney, I don't even know the guy. Then again, uh, he doesn't seem to know himself. Oh, come on. Governor Romney? Getting <laughs> our future is responsible for the content of this message. I love that audio clip. Never <laughs> it's funny, before. but so true. Yeah. But but again, and then remember what Romney had a big gaffe. Romney had a huge gaffe, too, where basically he was overheard saying, yeah, 46% of the population, um, you know, wouldn't vote for me because I'm not going to be basically giving them checks. <laughs> that probably didn't help his cause either. I mean, he seems like a rich elitist, and... At the time, remember how the economy was, even though the ironic thing is that the economy was Obama's fault, but you had a rich guy who seemed he was so detached 
from the everyday American that, and, and, and frankly, the, the poorer Americans, that he, he, didn't, he didn't stand a chance. Yeah, and, the yeah, reason yeah. Why, and I still think yeah. that the reason why the Republicans fought so hard to, to get Romney nominated, and I do think they cheated to do so, um, is because they knew that if Obama was going to get uh, reelected, then they knew they'd be able to take over the House, which, as you know, that's what happened. Well, there's also another thing, too. Yeah, Romney, um, he, as far as people are concerned, he was he, he didn't represent the middle class or the, uh, the lower classes. But one thing which you haven't mentioned, which people have forgotten, is that Hillary was supposed to win. Hillary gave up her position to let Obama win. Hillary and Obama took a nice little plane trip together without the reporters on that plane at the very intersection of their campaign um, to let Obama all of a sudden become the front runner. Before they went on that little plane trip, Hillary was against Obama. Obama was the worst thing since the plague. They come back from the trip. Hillary says, um, vote for Obama. Um, he's the closest thing to my, to my husband, basically, than anybody else. So Hillary gave up her chance. Remember, she was she was the chosen one back in 2008, but she gave it up. Well, back then the party was still the party of Bill Clinton. They were still blue dogs. I was still a Democrat back then. Uh, technically, it was the most vitriolic and the closest um, primary in Democratic history, and she lost. It was neck and neck, and she lost by the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Uh, so technically, she put up the fight. And the technicality is they said that the votes, the votes were null and void because they voted a day earlier, which many um, people loyal to Hillary were not buying it and came into a convention that was deeply divided. Right. Half of the Democratic Party was deeply divided, and they said, uh-uh, you screwed Hillary. You screwed us. We're not going to unite. We're not going to nominate you. And that's when Hillary had the uh, kumbaya moment, but that's, that's after she was technically screwed out of the nomination, and then she made a, a, a deal with the devil, Obama. Yeah. But technically, if you go back and study it, it was the closest Democratic nomination in history, the most vitriolic, and she lost only by the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. They were neck and neck. Uh, it, was, it was for Hillary's to claim. And then, of course, um, she evolved, and she stopped being a centrist when she joined Obama's cabinet, and I, I always said she sold her soul yep. to the devil the day right. that she decided to even um, join his cabinet because Obama said all kinds of horrible things about uh, Hillary's family, even called uh, Bill Clinton a racist, mm-hmm. and people forget that. And it was uh, actually Hillary Clinton who brought up the birther uh, movement and uh, the fact that um, questioned uh, Barack Obama uh, based on him being Muslim. A lot of people forget that, but um, I just... Yeah, it, was, that. Right. Uh, it was um it was very vitriolic. I would advise anybody listening to take a look. I, I think the documentary is the black box documentary. Um election fraud has been around for a long time. The, the by what machines were they? Diebold. The Diebold machines were the ones in question at the time, as opposed to the Dominion ones. So um I'm thinking that our elections have been taken away from us for many a year and we just saw it in this most flagrant, blatant fashion back in 2020. But um, 
That's just my viewpoint. I, I agree. I'm like uh, I'm 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 along the lines of Robert and Kelly, who's been saying after November third, twenty twenty. I've been I'm thinking that this system has been rigged for a long time, and Robert's been saying that since November third. You've been saying it, Kelly. Everyone's been saying it, and I I agree for the first time. I happen to think like this has been going on for thirty, forty years, which is scary. I I, I don't think November third was just uh, the first time uh, that it ever happened. No. Um, can I? Uh, yeah. Can I I'm jump sorry, in? Kelly. Go ahead. Um, so there's, we got some good news. There's a judge in Fulton County, Georgia, and the Fulton County turns Georgia would be trued in their election to Donald Trump. Um, but more details here. So the judge in Fulton County is going to, um, authorize by judicial order an audit of the ballots. The next hearing is the specifics. What are you going to do? What is your plan? So there's another thing about Georgia I'll get to, but so obviously these it's a it's a civil suit by private citizens, and um, they're very upset, and the county basically lost already. And so some of the details that I would well the big picture first. So you have a combination of high tech and low tech. The high tech is real time seeing what the results are, making some phone calls. Uh, you guys got to bring in a whole bunch of ballots to match. Because the accounting has to match at the end of the day. So, um, of course, most people have seen the video where, oh, you know what, we're going to close down at uh, uh, tonight at midnight. We're going to pick it up at 8 in the morning. And a bunch of poll watchers left. And then you see the video where they, this lady pulled a suitcase full of ballots, caught it on camera on a table that had like a you know curtain or cloth around it. So they had to match the, you know, there were three suitcases. So there was um, high-tech and low-tech. You've got to bring the paper belts to match. So when, if they're smart, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess they're already totally on top of this. So imagine a stack of belts in front of you, okay? And there's going to be other vote counters at the same time, other forensic examiners. Uh, they're, they're calling for libertarians too, but that's another story. So Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, others, okay? You're going to volunteer. You're going to watch what happens. So you got a stack of, uh, say, a foot tall stack. First thing you do is you feel the thickness. You feel the thickness physically with your fingers. And if they're paper thin versus the cardstock voting ballots, then, yeah, we got a problem. Okay, so then you start putting the paper ballots, regular thin paper ballots. And this happened in Arizona, by the way, on a bond measure. Anyway, so... You start putting those stacks over there of the fake ones, and you, what you're going to see, the QR code doesn't match because they're very complicated. The um, little um, color insignia, which California's was a flower, some kind of rose on the very bottom of the ballot for security. QR code is wrong, and you can put a scanner on it, boom, wrong QR code. And the and the flower is that this is not right, Okay. And the paper sin. Okay, so wait a minute. Now, all we have here is one vote on the ballot for Biden. When we look at the Biden, when we look at this, this, this it's supposed to be hand-marked, right? There is no indent because when you vote, you know, you push down a little bit, and and the, and the impression is, is inconsistent. Oh, the printer, guess what? <laughs> There's no imprint. There's no depression. 
So they're going to be examining, and, and basically, I think, what, 10, 15,000? They, they might find 20 or 30,000. Guess what? Disqualified, and then they go back to the judge. Uh-oh. So then it goes to your, and uh, another thing I heard, it just, somebody called me tonight, all excited. Yvonne Hutton has this machine. He has this machine that does this instantly, as in like a, you've seen huge copy machines. You put a stack of papers, and it just, ching, 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 boom, boom, you know, 100 copies a minute or, you know, 300 copies. It's these high-speed machines. He's developed one to examine all this. He's calling for uh, workers. And and my, my friend, local, she calls me up. She says, oh, you got to get to Georgia. you got to get to Georgia. You're going to go to Georgia. Like, what? Huh? Uh, Yvonne Hutton Pulitzer is calling for volunteers to help with this monumental effort. And he's got it in a, like, a semi-truck trailer. I don't know how that's going to work, but basically he's got some type of approval, and the stacks come from the election clerk's office. They run them through the machines. Here's the ones that are fraudulent. Here's the ones that are real. There you go. It's going to be very, very ugly. So we go to Arizona. The legislature is still working on Maricopa County. The supervisor said, no, we're not going to give the ballots. No, no, no. Oh, whoops. Oh, we're sorry. A few weeks later. Oh, we're sorry. The legislature is a sovereign body per the Constitution. It has authority to subpoena. Okay, we'll kind of cooperate. Michigan legislature, Pennsylvania legislature is still working on this. And we're going to see what happens. But my estimation of these states that were in controversy, um, there was uh, from the southwest clockwise, you have Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. All those states, it only took, well, excluding Nevada, but you know, basically three states, and Trump would have won. If you get four states, which would be Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, and maybe Wisconsin still doing something, but if you, you get four states, bam, it's a slam dunk. Now what do we do? Now what do we do as a country? This is where it gets bizarre. What do we do? It's already been proven. It's already been proven that, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is, you know, my goal is to expose the election fraud so we all have honest elections. But what would happen? What would happen in the scenario where, oh, my gosh, Trump actually won the presidency? What do we do then? Does Congress – oh, whoops, sorry about that. Oh, let's have a um, – we're going to have to uh, – oh, we're going to have to – there's no – it's a constitutional crisis. The Constitution does not address this. Because they've already certified the election. They've certified the Electoral College. Well, then what? Does it go to the Supreme Court? Well, we know how they don't have any kahunas to do anything about it. And so what do we do? Well, I guess we'll just wait four years. Well, you wait four years and the Democrats are done. If you, I, you see, What do you do? What do you do if it's proven that four states, it was such – and I mean, we're, we're, we're talking um, – in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh were the problem child. Georgia was Fulton County, Maricopa County, Arizona, and we go into uh, uh, I can't remember the, the county in Michigan. It comes down to one county in, in most of these states: Wayne County, Michigan. Okay, so so what do you do if the election was proven as fraudulent without a shadow of a doubt? 
what, what do you do? Do you? Oh gosh, I guess we're going to have on July Fourth. We're going to have Donald Trump sworn in. Is that what we do? And there's another element to this. I just sent out some uh, local patriot. He said Biden has issued an order that all military has to take the COVID-19 vaccine. If not, they are demoted big time. Wow. And so when they're demoted, yeah, so when they're demoted big time, how is the military, what? So you know, like Flynn, okay, are you going to demote Flynn? They, they put him in jail falsely because he knew too much. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, the people that are still patriots, love this country, love the Constitution, love the American people, they won't take the vaccine, so they're going to get demoted. Oh, that's a nice, broad-sweeping method to get Biden's power secure in the military. This is going to come to a head in July. So this is this is mind-blowing. We shouldn't even be in this position. Anyway, I just I want to get other people's thoughts on what I, I know. I just gave a whole big well, earful, but I, 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 and I, I, yeah, my daughter she knew a uh, guy who's in the Army Reserve, uh, where they they made him get a. Well, she said he you know, at least he told her that they made him get the the vaccine. Yeah, even though it's voluntary, they've also forbidden them to uh, to go home. They can't go on leave. If they don't take the vaccine, and they're grilled as though they're um, they're domestic terrorists. So it's what I've been talking about. We're here, folks. We're here. Uh, well, and I think they, and I think they're doing that in their own folly. I really do because well, you, I mean, so what you're going to do is, and, and if they are correct, if the if the, the liberals and the media, whatever, are or quote media, are correct, and that you have the vast majority of the of the military are conservatives, and you're forcing them to you know take a vaccine that they probably do not want to do, get, you know, and that is, I mean, and you're forcing them to do it. All they're doing is creating animosity. From the media, I'm not media. From the military, not media. yeah. The, from the military, the, the picture on this animosity. I mean, that you would think that it would only be uh, the, the result would only be to, to hinder them. I mean, you're not going to motivate them for them to stand up for you if you're going to force them to do something they don't want to do. That's right, and they would be on the side of the cops if the cops could get together, and then if the cops in the military could join forces, even to a minor degree, let's say a little bit more than a minor degree, then the American people might get some cunyones and might stand up too. But right now, we can't do anything. Our method of change were the elections. The elections are no good anymore. We need another alternative. Yeah, now there's well, there's a lot of folks out there who are saying change the elections. But also, are you familiar? Uh, well, an organization I think you might find interesting, and one that I, I go to their conference calls as, as often as I can. Uh, they're definitely a solutions oriented and ideas oriented or, organization. You know, on on actually what to do, right? And that's why I go to their. You know, that's why I go the, and then I'll bring in you, Kelly, uh, but. Uh, so that is the uh, the LaRouche Pact. Uh, they have a, a website, and they have uh, 
you know, classes that they do. They have, you know, conference calls multiple times a week, you know, on what people can actually, you know, do, uh, you know, in the times that we're in. So you might want to check them out, you know, the LaRouchePack.com. That's L-A-R-O-U-C-H-E. Oh, LaRouche. Uh, pack. Okay. Yeah. LaRouche, yeah. LaRouche. From Lyndon LaRouche. Yeah. Yeah, the LaRouche Pack. Yeah, they have, uh, yeah, check them out. Um they they get uh, you know I, I get a conference call multiple times a week. Oh yeah, they were they were pre Alex Jones along with the um, oh it just slipped my mind. Um, what's the other one that's famous too? The ones who are always uh, proclaiming the communists are here. Um, oh, it just slipped my mind. Just the exact same time I was thinking of Brendan LaRouche. Um, Oh, the Birch Society. What's the name of it? John Birch Society. John Birch, yeah. Yeah, well, Susan Kraft, uh, one of our panelists here, but um, she, she's come on. You know, she would come on a lot. She's a member of the John Birch Society. Yeah. So they've been John, they're proving themselves right. Joe, um, I did not know that that was a mandate that Biden uh, issued to the military, and the the, the irony of that is. The left is always portraying us, us undesirable, <laughs> as Nazis. They're doing exactly what the Nazis did uh, during the Third Reich, uh, mm-hmm. even when they went as far as to perform all of these uh, experiments uh, by doctors like Dr. Mengler. Uh, and then they call us the Nazis, and here they are, you know, basically mandating a vaccination, which is basically forced vaccinations. And that makes you wonder... If the military is the first, uh, you know, people they're going to do that to, well, we're not too far behind as ordinary civilians. There you go. It's just like what Kelly was saying. First, uh, they didn't until they could. Hey, uh, I want to I know that right now they're trying to use incentives (laughs) for the vaccine. I think there's like... um, uh, what what is that? Uh, Krispy Kreme. That's it. Krispy Kreme is going to give a free donut out to anyone who presents their uh, card, uh, their vaccination card. So anyone who's got uh, got vaccinated, they're going to give uh, you know their Krispy Kreme a card to the Krispy Kreme. Uh, show them their, their and they get and then there's also stores that are like saying, oh, if you get you know, the vaccine will give you like a hundred dollars or something like that. For me, I'd be like, I don't care. You can offer me a thousand dollars. I'm not going to get it. I'm not <laughs> taking it. Take yeah. it. Yeah. Well, like, so um, I, go ahead. Okay. Well, my neighbor um, just happened by. He watched Laura Ingram tonight. Here's an update: is that if the military doesn't take the vaccine, they're going to lose benefits, including retired military. They're not going to have VA loans. They're going to lose uh, VA medical health, whatever. But they're, they're only thinking about it right now. They're only thinking about what kind of, what kind of benefits uh, can we take if they don't take the vaccine. This is ridiculous. And by the way, it's not... Wow, that is incredible. It's, they're only talking about it. This is only... This is not a vaccine, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, supposedly Gene. I don't, and I don't like the name Gene Therapy. That's an oxymoron. That's uh, really well, wrong. Yeah. Well, 
Right. Well, here's here's what it is. I talked to Dr. Haneli a couple nights ago, um, and he's doing. We got to get him on the show. He's uh, the head of the COVID nineteen research team. He's been published. Other mm-hmm. things. Epoch Times took up his 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 um, documents. But anyway, it's a clinical trial. It's not a vaccine. It's a clinical trial, and it doesn't become a vaccine until 2022. Oh, so wait a minute. We're human guinea pigs? What? So That's there what it is a, like. Well, there is now. I, I saw it online. I'm going to show, share with you a frightening number. There is a vaccine incident reporting system on the CDC website. And I looked it up. It's called a vaccine incident reporting system. In other words, you had any side effects like a local I talked to that two days after a guy took the vaccine, he died? Uh, I was about to say that. (laughs) Okay. So the vaccine incident report, reporting system by the CDC was required by Congress. It's a reporting system. Okay. So how many, since the vaccine rolled out nationwide, how many incidents have been reported? Answer, as of Sunday night, 38,000, 38,000, someone I dearly care about uh, was going to get the vaccine on Tuesday, and now they're waiting, they're going to, I'm like, just, you know, get more information, make sure it's safe, if it's safe and effective, I'll be the first person to take but guess what, 38,000, you can look it up. And they have well, I mean, I've known, I mean, I've, I've known a number of people who, who's already taken it. I mean, one, one person's, you know, in her 80s. I mean, and she can't, you know, she's fine. At least, you know, short term, she's fine. And I know, um, you know, one of my best friends, uh, he, you know, his, his parents are elderly, and they wanted him to take it. So he went ahead and, and, and got, I think he got his both of his shots. I'm not sure. But you know what? I actually... Um, he did actually had to get a CT scan. Now he's been, he said he all his life he's had dizzy spells or something like that. Um, but he actually almost fell in the showers the other day, and he actually got a CT scan. Now the CT scan said came back all right, but I mean I'm not saying that because he took the you know, the vaccination it exacerbated a a problem that he's that's already existed. But I mean you, you're right, you don't know, especially if this is a you know, uh, a, a trial. <laughs> you know, you know, a trial run of it. My mom was going to get it, but I told her all of the side effects, and I urged her not to. And thank God she's uh, followed my advice. But she's not going to get it. So Good. I told her we yeah, they work it out. My dad, who's ninety, but I think they, they think they changed her mind on that. The people's are so brainwashed in America that the people who had called in to the Alex Jones show, he had open calls for people who had incidences with, um, with the vaccine. One person who was a healthcare worker called in. If my memory is not um, obfuscating what I heard, I think what he said was is that in the home uh, institution that he was working, 21 people had died. There have been people who have, been, who have gotten the first shot got um, very bad side effects, but are going back for the booster. 
Wow. Even though they were warned by their family members who work in the healthcare industry, nurses, for example, pop, don't do it. They want to go back anyway. They believe the mainstream media like I used to. Uh, up until about 2006 or so, when I was a Democrat, because I thought they wouldn't lie to us. We elected them. We are congressional officials. The mainstream media, they they should be vetted. They wouldn't lie to us. And guess what? They have. And Daddy Walter Cronkite at the CFR, Council of Formulations, years ago, said that now that he's retired, he feels he can finally tell the truth. And I forget, Hillary was standing next to him. And I forget exactly what he said, but it was definitely un-American. Um, so I forget exactly what he said. But, oh, yeah, I think he said he was for the New World Order, if, if I'm correct. Oh, wow. So I think you should look that up. I may be wrong about that, but what he said was a very blatant anti-Cronkite image. <laughs> so we're here, folks. Okay, we're here. Well, I I have to uh, communicate my encouragement of the American people. I had my awakening in 1997, and I felt like a lone wolf due to the Internet. So many people are awake, and there's so many. Look at the pushback of vaccines. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. You're going to force it on the military? In a retired military? Come on, people. There's a lot of pushback. Oh, wait. It's the clinical trial shot. So Americans are waking up. We have stood up for freedom over and over and over and over. I hope that enough Americans are awake that we will overcome this. But I am absolutely encouraged by the spirit of the American people. Well, I hope. I'm not encouraged by them. But if we do wake up a little bit at a time, that would be encouraging. I would hope that they would take a look at the fraud of 100 affidavits, take a look at the videos, take a look at the um, real-time hacking into the voting machines, and that would wake them up. But also, let's not uh, downplay the um, the influence of academia on our younger generation. Let's not downplay well, the um, the momentum of the Democrats who want to make sure that Trump supporters do not get hired in the um, political spectrum anymore. So, Fulton, I hope so. Yeah, too. Fulton, Fulton County, Georgia, which, by the way, the judge, the br- judge has some serious kahunas. Serious kahunas to uh, make this order because, man, if they expose it. The problem with election fraud with electronic machines, well, there's no evidence, so I'm going to issue it a court order. Uh, yeah, if you can't get the evidence, you can't prove there's a fraud, which means you can't get a court order. So I think this, this, this go-around, they were so scared of Trump because he's the second coming of Adolf Hitler. Okay. They blew it big time. Hubris. Pride, arrogance. Hubris is pride in overdrive. 
they're hubris. They made enough mistakes that there's enough evidence to get the court order and the subpoena and the forensic investigation. If it happens in Georgia, the Dominion machines, guess what? We're going to see other states opening this up. Oh, and by the way, our county election clerk, I called her, talked with her. We have the Dominion machines. You know what she says? I was like, look, you know, I've got the contract from Dominion, and it expires on June 30th. Are you intending to renew the contract? She's like, yeah, that's my intent. I'm going to renew the contract. Well, okay, aren't you concerned? You know, there's been a lot of reports. Around. Oh, it's all human error. All human error. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so she's going to appear at the local tea party, hopefully. I'll get about ten people to ask two questions. Question number one. <clears throat> so, are these machines 100% secure? Oh, yes. Are they 100% accurate? Oh, yes. Do they have zero vulnerabilities? Oh, yes. Okay, next question. Because you only get a couple questions when you're at a tea party meeting. Next question. Are you a computer programmer? No, I'm not. Next question. Are you an expert at computer security? No. Have you hired anybody that is a computer programmer and a computer security expert to examine these machines? No. No. Okay. So how is it that you've come to believe what you just said, 100% secure, 100% accurate, zero vulnerability? Well, such and such says, and who says such and such also, and such and such. Oh, really? So you're trusting someone who trusts somebody who trusts somebody who trusts somebody else that we don't even know. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I've done everything according to state law. Really? Do you think hackers give a damn about state law? Well, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, you just, uh, you know, why don't we just go ahead? I tell you what, <clears throat> next time you go for a building permit for your house, okay, you know, you hire a contractor, and normally the normal process is the building inspector comes out and inspects the construction, make sure it's per the code and everything. To the permit. Why don't we just go ahead and let the contractor call the building inspector? Hey, we're building at the code. Oh, okay, the building inspector don't have to come out, right? Would you buy a house like that? Come on, people. Well, what does that say? We're here. You hit the nail in the coffin, Kelly. You hit the nail in the coffin. Okay. Well, and that, and yeah, and that's My, kind of indicative. Of the, yeah, certainly indicative of, of of where we're at. Where I just, I don't think they take it very. This doesn't sound like they take it uh, very seriously, does it? It does. They don't take it seriously at all. And that was the whole purpose behind Giuliani being in front of the state legislators, because they're the ones, according to our the federal constitution. That the legislators have the power. They didn't. They did nothing. Even when the uh, the eyes of America were upon them. Okay, we have to first off. We have to become more aware and stop having the, the glimmer of hope that somehow, somewhere, serendipitously, something's going to happen to change this momentum. We have to do it. 
however however way that we think it might work. But we have to do it and stop waiting for normalcy to return. It is not going to return. Unless we the people stand up and we do something about it, not tomorrow, but now. Because time is a precious commodity, as I said before. Time is the only thing that you can't buy back or get back. And time is a luxury that we don't have. And stop believing in the institutions that we believed in. They are corrupt. Use your imagination. Um, I don't. My imagination isn't all that creative. Uh, all right, but there are millions of people in America. Well, we only need a few who have imaginations and intelligence to match. That might come up with a uh, with a solution other than looking towards those who have taken away our freedoms from us. I didn't mean to silence everybody. <laughs> no, not at all. We were just waiting for Josephine to call back. We were hoping that she was not discouraged. And, you know, we were hoping she was going to have the cojones to just, you know, try to get back into the green room. But uh, it's uh, technically after uh, dark hours, and Josephine wasn't aware of that. She's after she dark, yeah. That her... <laughs> yeah, she can do that with her mascara, so she was a little bit confused, so. I let her know after midnight you can't call back in, but she may turn into a pumpkin. I don't know. Maybe I'm watching too much oh. Disney and Cinderella, but I don't know. Maybe. But, but by the way, to end this confusion, I'm going to change my name to Joey. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So we have Joe, Josephine, Joey. Uh, okay, we'll go from there. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty more Joe. Joe, Joey. Daddy. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> In any case, guys, I'm going to get off. Uh, I'm going to get off the phone. And hey, everybody, you stay safe. All right. Good night, all. Hey, Joe. You stay too, safe. Joe. It was a pleasure. Uh, thank you very yeah, much, uh, as always, sure. for coming on. And hopefully, we'll see you next week. All righty. Take care. Like I said, be safe. You too. <laughs> well, that was an echo there. Heard uh, from you, Joseph. I think it was uh, Josephine, but uh, I may just blame it on her, Josephina, but, you know, maybe. You know, I certainly hope we're not as, uh, you know, I think it's a possibility, but I'm hoping we're not as far gone as what what Joe contends. Um, I like to think that we have some hope even with elections. Um, I don't think that – I mean, I kind of disagree that all those – uh, you know, the elections for – I think it's a possibility. I mean, I never really could believe in the um, – you know, how they say the pendulum swings. You know, you always – you know, you have those times where, well, the Democrats win for a time and then the Republicans win for a time, you know, and that – you know, with both the House and the Senate. And then they say, you know, and the American people uh, – and I'm just – this is total speculation on my part – but, uh, you know, the American people, you know, they like to have a split government where they, you know, they don't want one party rules. I mean, but, I mean, I've studied elections and I've studied, I've studied politics more than elections, to be, to be honest. But, um, you know, and then, 
geopolitical, you know, things of that nature, not as much as elections. But I know um, you have, Joseph, uh, definitely more so than I have. I mean, I've, again, I do have, some, you know, some knowledge and experience with elections, but more mine is, uh, you know, geopolitical and political uh, analysis. But, I mean, do you agree with uh, the notion, you know, that, you know, America prefers, you know, a split government where the Republicans, you know, have one, you know, some houses and, and then, you know, or have the president or they swing back and forth like you'll have some years of, you know, Democrat rule or governing. <laughs> I say rule because that's how it's kind of been, you know, with this new regime here. I mean, but I mean, do you subscribe to the whole pendulum, you know, theory and or in the split government theory? And a lot of people say mm-hmm. um, I, I never could fall for that, which made me think more like, well, eh, maybe you know, things have been corrupted for a while, but I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what has been, or I don't know. What's your thoughts? Uh, history has proven that's not been the case. Uh, change of uh, the majority of parties have always been situational. Uh, throughout our over 240 years of a constitutional republic. So um, all the stats and all the history and all the historical data uh, back up that it's it's always been situational. Depending on the situation, what the crisis was at the time, uh, will determine um, the will of the people uh, if they're going to vote in the Democrats or the Republicans or if they're going to decide to give all the chambers to one party or have it split. But uh, – yeah, historical data uh, has proven it's it's always been situational. Well, and that's why I always thought that, you know, the way Obama was able to get elected, even though, yes, um, he wasn't vetted very much, um, especially by the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, which we call it the media, which we know it's not. Um, but that's why I think that, you know, that's how Obama was able to win uh, is because – you know, again, I think it was just a perfect storm against it. At that time, the uh, Republicans, because there was so much backlash, especially with the Iraq War going on, that people were just kind of tired of it. Wanted, to, frankly, something different. Uh, you were correct. It was guilt by association when you were saying that in a way, you know, uh, public sentiment did not favor George W. Bush, and uh, they tend to fault the entire party whenever. Uh, there is a failure of leadership uh, or a falling out or the, or the approval ratings are very low for either the Democratic incumbent or the Republican incumbent, whoever holds the presidency. Uh, voters tend to hold the entire party culpable most of the time, and they tend to vote out uh, the uh, oppositional party, and that tends to be the trends. If you look at eight years of George W. Bush – American sentiment had turned against George W. Bush and the Republican Party. Same thing happened after eight years of uh, Barack Obama. Public sentiment and um, and you know guilt by association uh, switched back to the Democrats, and they you know American consensus was uh, we're done with the Democrats uh, in total uh, in its entirety, and that's how. Um, in 2016, Republicans took uh, the House, the Senate, uh, and the presidency. Um, but also Barack Obama, when he was elected, um, he had the uh, first first two years the majorities in both the House, the Senate, and of course he had the presidency. And George W. Bush, in his first two years, he had control of the Senate, the House, and the presidency as well. 
Well, and that's where I'm wondering, you know, one of the things people are saying, here's how I think it's going to go down election-wise. I know we're, we're, we're years out for the presidential election at least. Um, here's how I think it's going to go down. As I say, within the year, by January 20th of next year, Joe Biden would have, would have stepped down. I'd be surprised if he lasts longer than that. I don't think it's going to last a year. You know, I'm pretty confident he won't, and I'm almost certain that he won't last four. So Kamala Harris, unfortunately, at some point is going to be president. Uh, one discussion I would like to have, not tonight, we don't have time, but is, you know, because some people are saying, oh, well, then I'll make Nancy Pelosi the vice president, but to my understanding, that might not necessarily be the case. Uh, but anyway, what I've been touting is saying, look, she's going to be president. We'll see who ends up being the vice president, um, and then that's definitely a discussion to have. Uh, I tried to have that question posed to Newt uh, yesterday during the uh, the conference call, but I guess there just wasn't enough time or what have you to, to get all the questions in. But anyway, so I think she'll be president, and then when, I, when she gets – when it's time for her to be reelected in 2024 – I just don't think she has the gravitas to win a presidential election. I mean, she wasn't even able to carry her own state in a primary. So now, I, can they cheat again to get her to win? Perhaps. But I think that whoever runs in 2024 has a pretty good shot of becoming president. I, I, and I think because I think this regime, um, I, I mean, I know it's early, but I'm already starting – to compare, not me, I mean, I, I said this a, a little while ago, but now I, I hear more people saying it, is a lot of people are, are already starting to make references and uh, comparisons to this regime to the uh, Carter administration. Correct, correct. The Carter administration prior to Obama being elected, he was rated the worst uh, president in modern day history for the Democrats. Um, and I honestly think that the Republicans know they have to have their eyes on the ball. Their, 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 their entire existence rests on it. So they know that they have to have their legal teams out, and they know they have to make sure that they protect the integrity of the election because they know it's either that or they're, or they're out. They cease to be a party. They don't exist anymore. Then we move to a one-party system. So they know they have to do that. So they – well, they know what they have to do. Um, I would be remiss. I honestly think that um, Jesus Christ could be running on the ballot for the Dems in 2024. I predict uh, a landslide like Reagan and Mondale in 84. Because, look, Biden's barely been in office 60 days. This is the fastest deterioration of a country, I mean of our country. Under any other previous president in his first 60 days, it's the first time in history that we have a president in modern-day history that does not have a press conference in his first 30 days or does not hold a State of the Union in his inaugural uh, year of being sworn in. So um, I, I, Donald Trump has still maintained that he has 2024 on the table. He hasn't ruled it out. Uh, which is a good sign. I honestly think that Donald Trump is waiting to see how bad things get by 2022. And if he feels that there aren't a few good men that 
would be viable contenders in 2024 for the GOP, I honestly believe he'll make the ultimate sacrifice and pull a Grover Cleveland and run in 2024. Uh, he does that. Who, um, Kamala loses in a landslide. She doesn't even have a chance. I mean, 60 days in, and this is, like I said, the fastest deterioration under any president in the United States history, the, the fastest statistically, uh, which is scary. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a long, bumpy road, or as the yeah. airplane pilot, it's we're, it's going to be a bumpy ride. We're hitting turbulence, but yeah, no Republicans know if they don't do something to have their legal teams on the ground to make sure that the Democrats don't rig it again. They know that the existence of their party is is over. It's game over, and so they know that they're going to do whatever they're going to have to do by hook or by crook because they've been in power since 1854. And they've held on, so that says a lot about the Republican Party. But the Democratic Party is the oldest political party uh, in in American history. Um, when we gained sovereignty from Britain, we only had two parties. It was the Democratic Party and the Whigs at the time. And so, no, the, the Republicans are not going away, and they're always going to do what they do when their backs are up against the wall, when they know that it's a matter of survival at this point. Uh, they are going to do whatever it takes by hook or by crook to um, make sure that the GOP does not become extinct like the elephant. So um, I have every confidence they're going to do what they have to do, whether it's playing dirty or not dirty, whether they have to throw out the kitchen sink or not, whatever stops they're going to have to pull, they're going to do whatever it takes because it's human nature. It's either that or they cease to exist as a party. Well, one of the things I know I'm going to do is I don't know if it's anything significant, but I I, I know I'm going to uh, you know I'm going to you know study and get uh, I'm going to be you know an official poll watcher or you know uh, is what I'm going to do and I'm actually going to see I'm not now I I don't know I really have to do a lot of research because I don't know what you need to do to become a poll watcher I mean does anyone here I mean do you know Joseph, or do you know Kelly on on how someone could become a poll watcher? That just sounds so bad. Go. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 no, I, I am a poll. I was a poll watcher in 2012, 14, 16, 18, 20. Okay, I've been a poll watcher. What you do? Well, in California, it's this way. But to be a poll watcher, you go to your precinct. Um, who is the precinct judge? That's what they call him in California. Who's who's the top person in, in the precinct? Oh, you know, it's uh, Mary over there. Okay. Well, thank you. Be chronically polite because that's how I gain information. Adversarial, adversarial you get nothing. Polite, you get everything. So, oh, there's Mary. Okay. Hi, Mary. You know, I'm Kelly. I'm just trying to do uh, some poll watching. And, uh, you know, what are the rules? What, what's going on? You know, how do I do this? Well, they just say, well, you know, don't interfere with any voter. Uh, you, you can't touch the vote counting machines or a ballot. You just basically, you know, you can't give any political opinions. Okay, I got that. Okay. Well, I just wanted to check in with you. Oh, thank you. You know, they're actually, they're actually appreciative of poll watchers. And so then you watch what's going on, which... 
obviously you have to know the right questions to ask to watch what's going on. And so, you know, I said, well, good night. Thank you. I'll, you know, see you in a couple of years. And they know me because, you know, 2012, 14, 16, 18, 20. Um, yeah, they know who I am. And they they even actually try to impress me. I'm like, yeah, bullshit. Anyway, so, you know, you write down what, what you saw. It's that simple. Now, if you're going to, oh, let's say Georgia, Fulton County State Farm Convention Center, where you're watching the tallying, um, yeah, okay, it's a little different, but basically look at look at your. The first thing people should do is call their county election clerk. Hey, I want to be become a poll watcher. What do I do? Well. You know, so well, you know, just just check in with your poll judge. Okay. If you start with a relationship, how do I, how do I do this? It's pretty easy to do. And then when you're done, I don't care if you write on a napkin, write down furious notes of what you saw. Oh, gee, around the uh, Yreka major precinct, I saw Wi-Fi, like 15 Wi-Fi. Uh, connections available around the precinct. What the heck? Okay, so anyway, just kind of ask, 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 and most of the, because because these electronic election machines are doing sleight of hand. The election clerk will think they're doing everything right. Oh yeah, I'm totally I'm totally open to whatever you want to do. Oh, I'll even support you. Yeah. Okay. What about physical computer security protocol? Is your election staff trained in physical compute physical security protocols? The precinct judge is she cha- is she trained in physical security protocols? I have walked right up to vote counting machines the night before the election, and I filmed it. I had a police officer with me. It was, it was unbelievable. Oh, everything's great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. Everything's secure. Then why did I walk up to the vote counting machine the night before the election? Well, uh, 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 come on, people. So that's the polite approach. You get a ton of information. And then you start asking questions, and like, whoa! Oh. I remember going. I so you know, you check in. You walk through the doors. There's a foyer. You check in. Oh, what's your name? Such and such. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, there you are. Okay, we're gonna give you a ballot. How much? Um, do you trust these machines? Oh yeah, they work great. Are you a computer programmer? Well, no. Are you an ex- expert in security? Are you an expert in computer security? Well, no. Then why do you trust these machines? Well, I've never had anybody ask me that. Why don't you ask the poll judge? Poll judge. Hey, are these machines secure? Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you a computer programmer? No. Are you an expert in computer security? No. You might want to talk to our county election clerk. I already have. 
same questions, you're trusting somebody else. <laughs> it's really frustrating. People trust someone who trusts somebody who trusts somebody else, who trusts another person that we don't even know. Gosh, so frustrating. Now, now but, can you uh, now can you be a poll watcher in another state? Or do you do you have to be in your precinct or your state of residence? It depends upon the laws, and pretty much the laws were set up state by state. I can go to Arizona tomorrow. I can go to Tennessee tomorrow if they have an election. Oh, I'm a poll watcher. Oh, okay. I'm just checking in, you know. I'm a poll watcher. Oh, thank you. Because they think they're completely honest when sleight of hand underneath their underneath their nose, the election election. See, the vote counting machine vendors have to promote everything fine, everything's wonderful. Well, let's let everybody look at it. They look at everything but what's happening in the black box. So if you can look at everything but what's in the black box, the people who made the black box are like, yeah, let them look at everything. Let them look. Let's just be completely open except the black box, and that's why. You cannot look at the software, and the Supreme Court has said, this is intellectual property. We will not allow the software to be examined. It's intellect, copyright, trademark. It's copyright material, intellectual property. So the people that made these machines are like, huh, yeah, let's let them look at everything except our software. And let's promote openness and honesty and and poll watchers, but don't you dare look at our software. It's in the contract with Dominion. You cannot look at our software. If you get sued to examine our software, you have to contact us immediately. What? Unbelievable. Robert, typically it is uh, by your precinct and it is by the state of residency unless you are acting as a poll watcher on behalf of a certain political campaign or a candidate. Uh, typically it is, um, you know, as per your precinct uh, that you're registered and as per the state that you're registered with. Because uh, I feel pretty confident. I feel pretty confident in our, in, in our elections here in Ohio. <laughs> Pennsylvania. Arizona, not so much. I thought, you know, I could spend uh, I could spend a week in Arizona or, or Pennsylvania in 2024. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident with uh, with ours now. But but those, then, eh, not so much. But who knows? Maybe I'll try to get attached to somebody's campaign in one of those two states by then. Well, well, well. I guess we'll have to see what happens. Uh, <laughs> the best, Joe. Well, right. I, 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 but on good authority that uh, you've got a proposal from a uh, little birdie told me from a campaign in 2024 in North Carolina, but uh, that's just yeah, a little right. birdie. So I'll have to see how that, pairs, how that goes. <laughs> I have every that's confidence. That's true. You know what? I've though. never been to North Carolina, so I, li- I wouldn't mind going there. <laughs> no, I don't think you'd all mind the it at all. people I've ever met there are nice. Well, uh, you know, North Carolina is Trump country. Uh, Laura Trump is probably going to be running in 2022, and uh, the Trumps love uh, North Carolina. North Carolina loves the Trumps, so 
some country here, that's for sure. No, I tell you what, I used to work grassroots work with I, I'd say a girl, she was a woman, but you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still a kid at heart again, maybe. I don't know. But I I call her a girl, but she's a woman. Who we we both worked uh, volunteer wise, uh, but we were both uh, phone team captains for the Gingrich campaign in 2024. And um, right now, her name escapes me, to be honest. Um, but I mean, we're talking almost a decade ago. I can't believe it's been almost a decade ago. Um, and uh, I, I should look it up, but she was the phone team captain of North Carolina. Gingrich's uh, campaign. I worked for Ohio's, and then um, and then I was the uh, was the phone team captain. Then the, I, I can't remember the, the the title after that. That I kind of took the mantle for that. But anyway, uh, the point is, is she's from North Carolina. Never got a chance to meet her. Cute as a button, and I tell you what, she had one of those North Carolina voices that I could talk to her all night long. <laughs> I could talk to her for hours just to hear her voice because <laughs> she had such a nice, you know, country, you know, girl, country, act, you know, cute accent. I could, I could, I could just sit and talk to her for hours <laughs> just to hear her voice. It was, it was a really nice accent. I hear Laura Trump has a very nice accent, so, you know, <laughs> a nice North Carolinian one, but, uh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I have to get used to the Southern accent here. Mine is horrible, so I really don't speak much of uh, the Southern accent, uh, except how y'all doing, and uh, I'm fixing to go to the store, but other than that, I'm very limited, so. Yeah, I just, um, uh, it, it, it pains me, I don't remember, uh, you know, you said it's been a, I mean, and we really didn't keep touch, keep in touch that much longer after the, after the campaign. We did a little bit for about a year or so, um, and then you know things, you know, e- even friends. Unlike unlike most of the people here, where I mean, me and Kelly and you, Joseph, uh, you know, and then uh, you know Susan, and we've been uh, you know friends for gosh, again, almost a decade there ourselves. We're gonna have to have a a Bart's Logic. Uh, meet and greet party one time where we, we can find a central place to go to to uh, uh to meet. I, I did actually, I did meet a panelist one time and Cindy Todd. I did get the chance to meet Cindy Todd one time. And now she's not I don't know what it, what's happened with her, but she was on the show and uh for a while for some years and then I actually got to meet her in Ocala, Florida. I went down there some years ago to uh to visit with my brother who lives down there. And I actually took a little bit of a detour to drive through Ocala, and I think it was um, some type of restaurant um, that was there. Can't remember what what the restaurant was, but I got to you know have lunch with her. You know, just want this meter the one time. Uh, but I always thought it'd be cool to find a place where we could uh, we could get together. Now, there's uh, uh, Susan's going to be moving. I'm not going to say exactly where, but Susan's mo- is moving a lot closer, through my understanding. Uh, to where I live, at least like close to the where, than where she is now. So I'm hoping at some point, maybe the next year, to to be able to to, to meet with her. But we'll, I, I'd really like to do that one of these days. But speaking of that, I though, I do great. see that we are running out of time, unfortunately, for tonight. Uh, well, thank everybody for you know really good show. Uh, looking forward to the next week. I did get a 
I did send an email out again. I, I sent an email out to Stuart uh, on January 9th, Stuart Rose, January 9th uh, this year, and I didn't get a response, but I'm, I'm wondering, you know, he had a lot of stuff going on back in January, you know, so shortly after the, um, you know, the incident uh, at the Capitol where, you know, the media was just trying to denigrate uh, uh, people like, you know, organizations like uh, the Oath Keepers. Um, so they're, they're definitely trying to demonize uh, the Oath Keepers. And, and personally, I think they're trying to demonize them because they know that organizations such as the Oath Keepers is, you know, one of the last bastions, you know, for us here in the United States. So, uh, you know, for, for the citizens. But I did send out another email. Uh, you said, I think, uh, Joseph, that you've seen them or Joseph seen them. Uh, on another show somewhere, or heard him on another show. So maybe he's, he's back on um, the circuit, you know, doing interviews and things of that nature. So when I reached out to him on the ninth, it was only three days after the uh, the incident. So perhaps he just so in and he was unable to do anything. But something he may be on there. And then of course, I, you know, I did uh, get those acceptance from uh, two candidates who are going to be running uh, in the primaries. Uh, one against uh, Kissinger, the other one against Gonzalez. Uh, so they've they've agreed to come on. I just we just got to get the the logistics of them actually getting onto the show. Uh, but they did agree to uh, come on. So we'll be getting uh, interviews with them, at, you know, sometime in the future. Uh, I did reach out to Amy Murray. We've had her multiple times on the show. Uh, she did work for the Trump administration, um, and so you know as well. I know her personally, and. I can't get a hold of her, though. I, I, I have heard her on a local talk show here uh, in my locale, so and I know she's back on the, the she's back on the circuit, and I, I just reached out to her a couple times. But, um, we, you know, we lost touch, as, as I guess those times do. I don't know, um, know why, but, you know, I, I try to reach her. I don't know. Maybe like with, um, like when I, we had, as you know, we had uh, Bevan on, a, you know, a number of times, actually. And once he became governor, he kind of—I don't know—I just couldn't get a hold of him. I, I was talking with his uh, his communications director a lot. I talked—I I definitely talked a lot to his communications director, um, but was never able to get on, on the show. Maybe the the time, and we just could never get a time going. Um, with it being ten o'clock, that might have been too late for the governor to to be up. Or I, I was even going to try to make a time where we could do a recording, but that never happened either. But anyway, I got to get off my soapbox because I only got about about 30 seconds left for you guys to do your uh, closing comments before I got to shut, uh, shut down the show. So go ahead, uh, Joseph and Kelly. Unfortunately, you've got about 30 seconds that i got to close things down. I think that reunion is a wonderful idea. Maybe in Miami. Uh, we may hit the headlines. Hopefully we won't go wild like the Spring Breakers <laughs> did. And um, I give you this promise. Uh, we've talked about this off the air. A lot of uh, politicians, when they're running for the first time, they forget where they got their start. And when they get elected, they easily forget who gave them their their start or their audience. And I made a vow to you that uh, the candidate that I'm representing and that I would be honored for you to represent that candidate, that the first show he's going to come on to is the people show. And the first thing he's going to do when he's get elected before he goes to Fox or any other stations you have my vow and my word is my bond that he will come on to your show um, because he is a person who's very humble and is not going to forget 
who got him to the dance. Uh, and in that regard, um, good night, um, everyone. Uh, it was a pleasure. And uh, continue staying safe. And let's see what next week's uh, new scandals are going to be. Uh, have a good night, everyone. Thank you, definitely. You too. And uh, I don't know about Miami, even though it might get me some uh, airtime. Uh, but I, I, I will be in Florida actually twice this summer. Well, not summer this year. I'm going to be down there in August, and we can do some more details on the show if that's actually something we'd be able to do. But um, I'm going to be there in the beginning of August and the beginning of November uh, this year because, uh, one, I'm going down to uh, visit my brother. The other one, I'm going down to celebrate an anniversary. So um, so I'll be down there twice, actually, this, this year. But, oh, we just dro- Kelly just dropped, so we're not going to be able to get his closing comments. Oh, I hate when I see that. Um, I'll just get ready to go to get Kelly's uh, closing comments. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I guess I'll have to, uh, you know, close things out now, um, and then we'll hopefully see everybody next week. Yeah, we'll see what type of uh, scandals uh, is going on next week. But I will have to uh, shut things down. Uh, appreciate everyone for coming to the show, and we will see you next time. But until then, uh, have a good night. Of course, you're always willing uh Welcome to reach me uh, off air as well. And then for, you know, our listeners, I can be contacted at the Bards Logic uh, website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And there is that contact page um, on there with the, the elf with the portal. You see the portal to reach me. Um, I, I just like things like that. So it's, it's not your, what you're normally used to seeing on uh, talk shows, but you know what? It's my uniqueness there. But anyway, <laughs> we ain't going to be able to hear all the, the song by Aubrey Ashburn. But thank you very much, folks. Take care and good night. Take care. Good night. Mm-hmm.